0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Today is the best wrestling in the whole world!
1: Oh, shit! It's Vince Roussel!
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold your horses there, uh, Mr. Nerd, is it? That's it. Oh, yeah, you can be King! King! King of these Mets, you know <laughs> welcome, everybody. To you've got to be kidding me! A TNA history podcast that goes through the history of TNA wrestling one month at a time. We're here to talk to you about July two thousand three in TNA history. I'm Gary Kidney. I'm joined as always by my lovely, wonderful, fantastic, amazing co-host Liam Jones. Liam, hello. Hello, governor. Oh, you're British. Oi. <laughs> I, I, I see you, you've you turned British. Ah, uh, yes. I see you've given up on being British. Yeah, much like most of the Brits. Well, yes, most countries who are, were once British do tend to give up on being British for various reasons. That's my Commonwealth right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are a part of the Commonwealth. You haven't entirely given up on your British heritage, so you can't be one of us. I'm sorry. I have. I have entirely given up on it. You, you have to once again cling to some remaining vestiges of the Commonwealth.
1: Uh, that'll be um, the next war that Australia is involved in.
0: Mm, you have to respect the Queen, who is definitely still alive. Yeah, 100%. The most alive person that's ever lived.
1: <laughs> yeah?
0: It's been a little while. It's been three weeks since we've done an episode. How are you doing? Fine. I've been playing video games. Oh, so that's what you've been doing. Instead of doing the podcast, you've been playing video games. Yep. Have you actually been playing video games?
1: Yeah, I've been playing two video games.
0: Tell me about these video games that you've been playing.
1: Oh, I was playing Far Cry 6.
0: Cool. It's fine. It's a Far Cry game?
1: Yeah, it's a Far Cry game. And they killed a character that I really liked, and I've... (laughs) In, like... Some sort of protest, I went and bought another game, because I was like, you're <laughs> a character I like, I'm not playing the game for a bit, I'm gonna go buy Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Out of principle, I've already given you my money, Ubisoft, but I'm still going to go give some other company my money, just to show you. I'll show you.
1: Yeah. You know. Because I was upset, <laughs> and then I was like, alright, I'm gonna go play Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: And I played like an hour of it, and I think it's the
1: best game that's ever existed.
0: I would say that is maybe a slight exaggeration. Mmm, perhaps. But it is a very pleasant surprise that that game is actually good.
1: It's also a very pleasant surprise that, like, it's so well written.
0: I know. And, like, that game is, like, 15 to 17 hours long. And those characters, they never stop talking, Liam.
1: Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I was like, I was, th- I was hoping, that, uh, not hoping, but I was thinking maybe this is just because it's the first level and they want people to be like, oh yeah, you know, when you play the first level and because the- that's what you know people will write their reviews on on these first few levels. They like maybe they packed that heavy with dialogue, but the fact that you've said that and I think I've heard that before that like the whole game is like this makes me very excited because I am a fiend for dialogue
0: because they really don't. They never stop talking for like the entire runtime of the game, people. Just never, ever, ever stop talking. Star-Lord and Rocket and even Groot and all of them just bicker and are mad at each other and shout at each other and snipe at each other and make jokes for the entirety of the game. And it's somehow never annoying. It is like a remarkable feat of writing.
1: That's the thing. I think just early on, right, because again, I've played 40 minutes of it, (laughs) but it seems like they do a really good job of building a camaraderie. And having that sort of feeling of this team is what makes it not annoying, because if they didn't feel like a team, it would feel like it would get, it would grind on you. But the fact that it's like all of these characters feel
0: in with each other makes it work. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not entirely copying the MCU versions of the characters because they're slightly different, but it, it does yeah. stick to like the characterization of those characters very closely. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna invest in, like, all of these, uh, Marvel games. I like them. I like the Spider-Mans, I like the Guardians, I'll probably like the
0: Wolverines. Just don't play Avengers.
1: No, I, I have my Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't need to play Avengers.
0: You can play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 instead.
1: That's a fine game.
0: Which is a perfectly fine game, but stacked up against Avengers, considerably better.
1: <laughs> I like playing games, it's been a while.
0: Do you still not have a PS5? Uh, I
1: do not i probably won't get one.
0: Oh well there's nothing to play on it so
1: i also don't have a tv like i <laughs> i have like a lounger tv but that's most of the time being used by other people so
0: mm.
1: maybe if i end up you know getting a tv uh for my room then i'll consider it but right now i don't need it so i've also watched quite frankly insane amount of 2022 wrestling
0: yeah because you, you had five tna shows to watch and obviously you prioritize gleet well there was no gleet yeah, there hasn't been Gleet in 2020 that shows at the end of the year, but still.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, a lot, and I'm already behind, and it's like, oh god.
0: Well, you see, companies, in their horrible insistence, keep producing lots of wrestling.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing to try and stay on top of, but that's why I've done the smart thing and just cut out US indies. They don't exist anymore, I will not give them any attention this year.
0: It might be among the like busiest first 10 days of the year, ever in wrestling well
1: yeah um, because Japan has always had a really busy first week Mm. that first week is always jam packed with a bunch of companies running a bunch of shows but especially over the last few years where you know the trendsetter of New Japan having the two major shows a lot of other companies have grown to have a lot of shows around that same time too like even last year and I think maybe the year before Noah ran two shows as well Stardom ran two shows Old Japan always runs two shows Uh, Zero One does One One every year, so there's always a lot of stuff immediately, in Japan especially.
0: Yeah, because, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I believe culturally New Year is Japan's biggest holiday.
1: Yeah, there's a a whole week-long thing there, too.
0: Because I remember when I went to Japan, I was like, why the hell is everything closed? (laughs) (laughs) It's like...
1: Like, they take Wrestle Kingdom really seriously.
0: Yeah, it's like, Wrestle Kingdom weekend is clearly an event here. It's like, no, New Year's huge here. That's why everything is closed.
1: It makes it a very good time for Puro Because, mm. like, I remember, like, ever since I got into it, I was it's always been like, that first week is the week you get excited for. And, like, it always kicks off. Um, unfortunately, this year I, I was... Um, out, so I didn't get to experience the the New Year's Eve Shuffle Tag Tournament, but that's always my tradition, is like, that's how I know it's kicking off, is you you watch that Shuffle Tag Tournament live, and then you know that that next week is going to be insane.
0: I like the way you're like, unfortunately I had a social life, so I couldn't stay inside and watch the New Year's Eve Tag Tournament.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I would rather half the time.
0: Uh, So what's the best match you've watched this year so far? Okada and Shingo. So it's not... Chris Saban against Jonathan Gresham.
1: No, but I did that That match did make the sheet, Garrett. First Impact match on the sheet of the year.
0: That match rocked. That match was so good. I,
1: I really liked that match.
0: The last, like, 90 seconds of that match, like, I think might be my favourite 90 seconds of wrestling in a, in a very, very long time. It's so good.
1: I really liked it. And I really like... <laughs> this is the opinion of Liam and Liam alone. Uh, I really like Impact. This was a good Impact show. I was bouncing around it. I didn't get to the full Jonah-Josh match. I will. But, yeah, from the bits and pieces I saw, I really liked the Exhibition stuff. I really liked the Speedball debut. And I really liked, really, really liked um, the Gresham stuff. I liked the the Honor Invasion.
0: Yeah, you get the Return of the Miracle.
1: It, trust me, if there's any Miracle fans out there, it is you and I. Mm. Absolute tremendous theme song. Hope he gets to keep it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that should be the the Ring of Honor theme song. The Miracle, Mike Bennett, and Maria's theme song.
1: Mmm. I read the spoilers. I know the new name. It's a cool name. I won't say it in case people care. Um, but yeah, oh, oh, cool stuff. I'm looking forward. To, I might. You know what's funny? Uh, that, watching that preview, I was like, "Damn, I might even include Impact in the rotation."
0: Hell yeah!
1: Yeah, it was it was that good of a show for me. The bits and pieces at least I got to see. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll at least I will cherry pick it. Yeah, we've also had. well to be fair, you will have to watch it eventually when we get to the podcast. So yeah,
1: fair enough. God, that's going to be so weird. We're going to be able to splice things we say from now into the podcast then.
0: We'll be able to look back on our opinions about 2022 TNA when we cover it. When us. it was
1: happening live
0: versus like us watching
1: it in 2032.
0: It will be that long down the line. Maybe even longer. But uh, there was W.E.'s event, day one. I didn't watch that. They had a good man event. The rest of the show was fine. Sure. Because Brock throwing people is good. I was
1: going to say, like, what do, what was the show of the year so far?
0: You've had a couple AEW shows. You've had a Rampage. You've had a Dynamite. You've had a Battle of the Belts. I still haven't watched Battle of the Belts, but...
1: I skipped around it. Uh, where? I've lost my wrestling list.
0: Oh, it's all gone. All your wrestling is gone.
1: All of my ratings for the past four
0: years. Obviously, Pro Wrestling Noah's first show of the year is your show of the year.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, 100%. Is it actually? I was just looking at it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The <laughs> The New Year show is by far the best show of the year. And it's not even really close. Mm. Honestly, from what I've seen, it <laughs> the Impact show might be number two. Hell yeah! Because, like, you know, I- I'm not putting any of the Wrestle Kingdom Nights up there. The other Noah stuff wasn't great. Besides, like, the, some highlights. I like, wouldn't put Dynamite up there. Uh, I've only seen the Big Japan main event. Yeah, I mean, that might be it.
0: You heard it here. Everybody's run shows already this year, Liam, and Impact is number two. (laughs) Yeah, from what I've seen. All right, that's enough about 2022 wrestling, Liam. How about we jump all the way back to July 2003?
1: Uh, My favorite month and year.
0: The most wonderful time of the year, July 2003. Weird month, because they kind of just rebooted the company.
1: Yeah, they did, like, a complete, like, shift. It was so weird. Like, this is different. This is a different company now. Um, old Canon is, like, barely acknowledged or just straight up ignored. <laughs> Teams are split up in favor of singles pushes now. It's, it's very interesting.
0: Because, like, it's not a total reboot. Like, AJ's still your world champion. He's still the same character. AMW is still your a champ. Half of these shows, the you character. wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> and, like a bunch of stuff carries over you know you still have Raven and Shane Douglas feuding that's still happening so like it's not like every, they threw everything out the window and started again like AJ and D'Lo is still the main program a lot of stuff that happened before this it has carried over but there's just a sense between the people they're using the people they're no longer using and just the feel of the television show that there we mentioned at the end of last month that there's like no swearing back to traditional wrestling and you see it that's kind of what this month is Perhaps there was some sort of power shift that would indicate this change. We'll get into that in a moment, but I I do find it interesting that, like... like, I think the biggest sign of it is Vince Russo as a character. Mm. Where he's not doing the work shoot anymore, he's not playing himself anymore, he's not playing Vince Russo the person, he is just playing Vince Russo as a character. Which is distinctly different from how he's played himself on television over the last seven months since he debuted in... well, was it? End of October he debuted? So it's longer than seven months. Or is it end of November? I don't know months anymore. But he's been on television for a long time now, and he's been doing the work shoots. He's, he's been playing himself. And he's not anymore. He's playing a character, which is this weird uh, New York He's a goofball. I, I, I don't he's like a it. giant goof. I don't like it at all. I, I, I don't think it works at all.
1: <laughs> there's bits and pieces of it that I don't like. I don't like... I will never like a Vince Russo-type character being the smartest in the room, because mm. I don't think it plays. But I don't mind him being, like, a goofball who gets beat up and, like, the babyface is overcome, you know? But I, I don't I don't buy him as a guy who's overcoming anyone else.
0: Yeah, and he does that pretty much for the entirety of this month. It's mostly D-Lo. It's mostly D-Lo. <laughs> They're overcoming, but still.
1: This D-Lo AGA stuff, I'm not a gigantic fan
0: of. Because uh, I think they've had better matches, both as a team and against each other, before this month. And now that we're into the, like the full world title main event, AJ feud, there is just too much nonsense and shenanigans and interference and bullshit.
1: Well, interference, bullshit, and bad finishes could be like the summary of this month.
0: Oh god, there are shows that go by where I don't think there's a single clean finish on them. It's just like every there match. There was is a one run that
1: end. was really noticeable, and it ruined like a bunch of matches that were like going pretty good.
0: Because like there was the, the, the night that had three AJ Styles and Dealer Brown matches, and every single one of them had interference. Yeah. It's like the same Trinity and Sonny Siaki and Vince Russo trio just interfering in this match over and over again. There
1: was so many matches where I was like, oh, that was pretty good, but what a terrible finish. Well, mm-hmm. oh, that was really good, but what a weird way to book that end, the finish to it. And I was like, that was, that was the story of it this whole time.
0: So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a strange and interesting month. It's it's actually, frankly, it's not a great month. It's like there is very little in this month that we're going to like go off on. That's like this is the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. It's like the Glenn Gilbert push or anything like that. I don't think there's anything like that this month. Like most of the wrestling is pretty good or at least like passable. Except maybe oh god, the legend and Jarrett stuff. I might go off on. Good god, that stuff is just mind-numbing. But other than that, I don't think there's a ton this month that's, like, horrible, but there's also not a particular amount that's like, whoa, that's really good. It just all hovers in a zone of existence. Just sitting there, existing.
1: These shows left me with the same feeling I feel when a dynamite isn't great. Mm. Where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it wasn't
0: bad, but it wasn't much to get excited about either. And it's, it's interesting, this is the period of TNA that I have like the least reflexive memory of because I'm pretty mm. sure I've watched it all only once and I've never watched like the stretch from pretty much July 2003 until they started on pay-per-view in October 2004 is the period in which like the things that are happening week to week on the show are the things that I'm like Oh, I forgot about that. Or oh, yeah, this is a thing that happens. As opposed to the stuff before this and after this, I I have a very good working memory of because I, as I said, I've I've only seen this stuff once. I've never gone back and revisited this stuff at any stage, not in any like consistent fashion. And a lot of it isn't great, so it doesn't make like compilation sets or anything like that. And there's there's like notable things coming up in the next few months, but other than that, it's just a lot of stuff like the 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 Don Callis and Eric Watts as on-air authority figures era is an era my brain is, isn't all that familiar with. So, that it's going to be fun. Mm. You'll, you'll be in my shoes a little bit. Mm. So, let's get into the notes for the month. I, I, I've been meaning to plug this for the last few episodes, but show notes, we should probably mention. Patreon.com slash me or tnachat.com. If you would like to go through this show beat by beat with us, you can look at our show notes and see like the detailed notes that we have uh, on the patreon only for one whole dollar can you get nine pages of notes about these shows basically like a mini book chapter about july 2003 that you can follow along the show and there's one of them for every single episode so if you ever wanted me to write a tna book which i I probably won't because that's what this podcast is for
1: i'm sorry guys I've torn this away from you.
0: The closest equivalent is the show notes at on Patreon where, uh, again, nine pages of notes about July 2003, including everything that happened, all the backstage news, every match, every angle, and every uh, little backstage tidbit that you need to know about July 2003. So it, it, I think it might be fun to follow along. Again, I've, I've even put it in the notes to, like, plug the notes, because the notes, they're pretty good. Patreon.com slash gaming. Also, our watch-along has been up for about a week now because we put it up early because we had to delay the show so we're like let's the watch along it's a nice little early treat because we had to delay the show which sorry for having to delay the show but that's there we watched the first show of this month which is nwa pay-per-view number 52 july 2nd there wasn't a standout show it's just a show but liam watched gleet for most of it
1: yeah you can pull up the gleet show as well if you want to watch along. The double watch along.
0: You can do a Gleet watch along and a TNA watch along. What more do you want in life? <laughs> Our two brands combining. So in a follow-up from an open last month, Jeff Jarrett told wrestlers at the June 25th pay-per-view event that they are not allowed to swear or abuse women as part of storylines. Although Jarrett didn't go to get into the details, sources for, indicate officials from pay-per-view distributor In Demand stepped in and told TNA officials to cut back on the swearing and violence against women. Some in the company have pointed the finger of blame at Vince Russo for those issues becoming a problem, as he is known for pushing storyline elements in creative meetings. As a result, the word going around was also that Russo has lost a lot of booking power which I think you can kind of see which observers say would make sense given his backstage demeanor there's a note that Jeremy Borash does contradict this but there are still like even after that like Jeremy Borash says in his column that no that didn't happen it's not in the man's re- fault that we're, we're pivoting in direction but sources suggest after that that no no, it is
1: well, he's trying to save face for the, the people that are actually you know, produce, not producing but um distributing the product
0: Yeah, and maybe a little bit that they are trying to make it look like this is their own creative choice as opposed to a thing that is foisted upon them.
1: Sorry, I was going to say that's interesting because I also think this decision is something that is reflected on the show itself. With Don Callis' character.
0: Yeah, it's very WCW, where they had standards and practices as as characters on the television show because they were so mad at Turner's standard and practices stepping in and stopping them from doing their bullshit. So they introduced Don Callis as the management consultant, who is like, oh, we don't want the violence and swearing and, and uh, attacking women, and we don't want the, the hardcore stories and hardcore matches, that's not what our... Key, key, key demo once here in NWA TNA.
1: The demo god, Don Callis.
0: Yeah, he had this character before anybody else. He was analyzing demos. He's basically Brandon Thurston turned into a wrestling character. <laughs>
1: They should, that's what they should do, bring Brandon to
0: AEW and have him be a guy that's like, ah, oh, the demo will not like this. Ooh, I've looked at the charts, guys, and this is just not a thing that the fans are into. The minute-by-minute ratings do not suggest that this is a thing that is getting over.
1: Yeah, you can bring up the minute-by-minutes and, like, be like, actually, yeah, sorry, we have to put Jade in here, because she draws killer in the minute-by-minutes.
0: Just walks in on somebody's segment doing badly, is like, sorry, pal, you've been corporately downsized. Yeah... So you, as, as mentioned, you can see it on the show. Like the, the, even aside from the Don Callis character, like the show is different. Like like top to bottom, it yeah. feels different. It's not a show that makes me cringe as much anymore, which is a plus. The whole three L K segments. So mm.
1: I don't know three L K three L K segments kind of got me this month.
0: Oh God, you've done the thing again where you hate. I the know, thing and you baby-faced babyface, <laughs> and on then the I took t- no. <laughs>
1: There was a point where I got literally mad that BG James made me laugh at the
0: joke. And I was like, no! Bull Buchanan received a tryout match a couple of weeks ago on Explosion. Tino officials went so as far as to say his new outfit made for Bull Buchanan. So it won't be surprising if he debuts in a new gimmick soon. He never does. There's been like a Bull Buchanan is hanging around backstage note every week for like four months. And I never brought it up, but I figured I'd finally bring it up because I think maybe this is the end of it. But yeah, Bull Buchanan hanging around never happened.
1: I wonder what that new costume was.
0: Yeah, the big Bull Buchanan masked dude.
1: Mm.
0: I wonder, we're actually not far off from PCO showing up as, like, the masked X. Ah, that makes sense. Maybe he was meant to be X. Because, mm. like, Bull Buchanan and PCO aren't, like, entirely dissimilar wrestlers.
1: Uh, I don't think Bull Buchanan would ever put his body through the amount
0: of... <laughs> <laughs> Destruction that a PCO does. No, PCO still doing aprons sentons in impact in the year of our lord 2022. But like, they were both big guys who did some flying. PCO did more flying than Bull did.
1: I, I just want to give PCO a little more credit, considering he will do a suicide dive onto no one, straight onto
0: concrete. His favorite thing is bumping on concrete. Frankly,
1: mm, I love you, PCO. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're you made it to the impact.
0: Well, he made it, in, it here in 2003, which we'll get to. But still.
1: I mean, again.
0: <laughs> and TNA will not be holding live pay-per-view events for two weeks in September, as the fairgrounds will be unavailable due to the <laughs> fair taking place. Sorry, I got very excited. Because <laughs> this is a five-show month, folks. Liam's favorite thing, a five-pay-per-view month. Uh, the idea of a, a
1: two-pay-per-view month is just, quite frankly, I, I don't know what I will do with all the extra time.
0: There was some talk of pre-taping two weeks worth of shows or even moving to a different location. Then a follow-up note, Tino officials are working In demand in hopes of promoting a bargain-priced pre-taped show that will recap the company's history. The current plan is to air the special during one of the weeks in September, which the company will not be airing a live show due to the national fairgrounds there has been talk of offering the show at a price of everywhere between one penny and $1.99. So basically, they they, they will be taking a week off in September. There will be a taped show in September, Liam, so there, there will be a three-pay-per-view month, not a two-pay-per-view month. No! But the taped show is the first Super X Cup, so at least there's that.
1: Oh, that's good, though! <laughs>
0: And then the other one will be the the TNA 1 cent pay-per-view which was this preview show where they put together the best of TNA highlights and offered them on the 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 pay-per-view services for 1 whole penny and you can watch the best They're of really TNA. You're
1: trying to get this penny concept off the floor. It's been around since the very like beginnings. Yeah. I feel.
0: We were talking about the um Genesis special that they did air a couple of months ago which that that was the first time they floated the idea of doing something that cost 1 penny and that was a, a different best of the i think it cost the regular 9.99 pay-per-view price whereas now they finally like committed to the idea of the the one cent pay-per-view where you can watch N W A T N A, the best of the first year and a bit for a whole cent hmm. so they don't want to get people's two cents on it liam they want to get people's one cent on it
1: well <laughs> we'll see if uh jeff Jarrett can break all his guitars and draw a penny <laughs> <laughs>
0: Scott Demore, who was brought in as a locker room agent several weeks ago, has gained, quickly gained backstage influence.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> Scott Demore's my guy.
0: I love Scott, man. It took him, like, two months to, like, wield un- uh, unenviable power. He must just be a wheeler and dealer. Like, straight in there, Jeff Jarrett's guy. Uh, Demore is said to be responsible for the promotion booking. Don Cal, Simon Diamond, Johnny Swinger, Joy Legend, Chris Saban, and Tracy Brooks.
1: I mean, they can't all be winners, can they? <laughs>
0: You get Chris. You get the best wrestler in the history of the company. So the, you know you can't you can't give out Tracy Brooks. I know she rules, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, she, to be fair, she, Wait, wait, she was for like the one week she was here.
0: Yeah, this is a very light Tracy Brooks month where she disappears. So maybe it's just Scott's losing power already.
1: <laughs> oh no. Damn it, the, the power struggle between Scott Demore and Vince Russo will be the subtext of this entire thing.
0: One wrestler even went so far as to suggest that there were has been a changing of the guard. As he said, the Atlantic clique that consisted at one time of Vince Russo, Raven, Glenn Gilbert, Mike Sanders, Perry Saturn, and Eric Watts appear to have fallen <laughs> behind Damore in terms of office power, even though on air, Eric... Eric Watts is now the man with the power.
1: There should be a draft between the two factions where Joey Legend goes to Vince Russo's side and Eric Watts goes to Scott DeMores.
0: Yeah, and then I think everybody's much better off.
1: Yeah, I'll be I'll be much happier. Because
0: Saturn showed up for the last time in June, Sanders shows up for the last time this month, so even like the members of the Russo clique are just gone, never mind not having power.
1: The clique is actually like physically leaving and dispersing.
0: And, and, like, there's nobody who has downcycled more, I think, than Glenn Gilberty. so... Yeah, what a fall from Grace, huh? Going from a whole month being built around him to him being the manager of Diamond and Swinger.
1: The manager of, uh, DeMore's guys.
0: <laughs> that must be the ultimate insult. It's like, you shall be the manager of my
1: boys. To be fair, not a bad gig, because they're a good little act down there. Mm. You know, just a quick interlude here before we get... I won't do it, because we'll get into it further when we talk about the shows. But, like... That's the reason I do these turnarounds so quick on these guys that I don't like. It's because I don't like them as main event, like, giant factors of the show. I like them as goofball mid-card acts. That's where they should be. That's why I do these turns. Because when they're not being pushed as the main thing, I'm like, oh, I get why they're here.
0: When BG is on the show for two minutes a week doing a skit, you're on board?
1: Yes, 100%. Hey, because, like, he's not wrestling. Mm -hmm. And he's not, like, being treated seriously. He's just being a goofball dork with killings and Conan. And it's funny and it's fine. That's just the difference. Like, I I don't need you to be these top guys.
0: So what I'm hearing here is Road Dog is your new favourite wrestler. Well, now that Gilberti's been downsized... Terry Funk turned down a TNA booking last week. TNA officials contacted Funk in hopes of signing him for a match against Sandman, but Funk passed on the offer, which is said to be in the same range he has paid for working independent shows. Although the rate was comparable to Funk's pay on the indie scene, he felt he wouldn't be able to make as much money as he normally does selling merch. Fair enough. We will get a Terry Funk appearance or two in 2004, but you will have to wait for your Funk in TNA.
1: I had no clue about this.
0: The NWA TNA promotion in Nashville had its own run-ins between the fans and the bookers two weeks ago at their July 2nd show, according to sources. I love this story so much. TNA talent coordinator Bob Ryder came out to visit with the vocal group of fans that comprise the heel section, <laughs> who are usually situated to the right of the hard camera shot at m- most of the company's weekly pay-per-view events. If you're a regular viewer of NWA TNA, you've seen that these guys on numerous occasions spoil Smackdown, which is a good <laughs> bit, to be fair.
1: Which is that, yeah, it's the one good bit that they have.
0: The heel section is composed of rabid fans who cheer for the heel wrestlers and heel manager Vince Russo. They also loudly heckle ring announcer Jeremy Morris and the top <laughs> babyface wrestlers, especially Jeff Jarrett and the tag team champions, Chris Harris and James Storm. If you remember on the last month's episode, we gave out very vociferously about them doing the Kill the Cowboy chants during the, like, the best match in TNA history.
1: Yeah, and they also had a Chris Harris one that was like basically just calling him a pussy, I think.
0: Yeah, so, like, while these two two guys were in this amazing cage match where they were bleeding buckets and freaking destroying their tailbone doing death sentences off of cages, these absolute goof marks in the front row were like, oh, we're gonna do our chance! To be fair,
1: if, like, I do love Kill the Cowboy as a chant. Like, that should be a thing if he ever does turn heel. <laughs> like, Kill the Cowboy does rule. Just don't do it during that match. <laughs> you make you really exposing yourself then.
0: Yeah, the worst part is when AMW do turn heel in 2005, which is they're not they're not in Nashville anymore at that stage. But they don't do the chant, so duh. <laughs> What's the point? We should bring it back. Ryder reportedly relayed a request from the office to the regulars, asking him to please tone down their derogatory signs and pro heel rhetoric. He explained that NWTNA <laughs> has shifted its focus toward running more traditional wrestling storylines that they didn't want fans at home confused about the heels and babyfaces were. Most of the heel section, denizens- and the casual denizens- fan. <laughs> the casual NWATNA fan here paying nine ninety nine uh, Is confused by these people in the crowd
1: To be fair I'm often confused about the heels and the babyfaces But it has nothing to do with the crowd It is
0: to do with the television show To be fair though This month It's very clear There are heels and babyfaces this month
1: Yeah because they, they stay to it for more than two shows at a time
0: Actually I'm I'm trying to think Is there a single character who's ambiguous And I don't think there is
1: There isn't But on one of the shows, they tease AJ turning face. And because we live in a world where that happens on a drop of a dime every three seconds, I was like, oh, okay, they're turning AJ face.
0: I did like, at least in that segment, it was the week Vince Russo wasn't there. So they did the thing where it's like, when Vince Russo's not in his ear, he's like, potentially able to be gotten to. But like, obviously once Vince Russo returns, he'll be back to evil, horrible guy. So I I do think that's like planting a nice little story seed for like, AJ's only like this because of Russo not because of AJ
1: yeah because he hangs out with uh, bad friends mm. bad influences. oh my god
0: most <laughs> every time we say bad influence put in the bad influence theme <laughs> most of the heel section denizens took offense to this request and decided not to attend last week's DNA show one of them posted... good <laughs> yeah that's sh- that'll show them I won't show up
1: don't come don't come to the show where you took tickets off a fucking petrol station for free
0: It really proved the point to Bob Ryder that they didn't show up, so they didn't do their chance, and he got exactly what he wanted.
1: Win-win. We don't get the chance, and also you're not there.
0: One of them posted his account of the events on his his official Heel section website, explaining to fans why he wasn't going to attend the shows.
1: He tried to get on Twitter and cancel TNA.
0: He really did. He's like, I'm going on my blog to explain why I shouldn't be allowed attend and I'm not going to do it out of protest because I don't get to do my crappy chants with my crappy signs.
1: I'm being silenced. <laughs> Freedom of speech
0: cancel culture running wild here in the NWATNA.
1: SMDH. Where's my um cancel cancel culture t-shirt?
0: Yeah. Uh, horrible behavior. This is the, the, these fans are just gone forever and everyone Corporate burnt. entities running wild. Don Callis has downsized the heel section. Yeah, he should have said that. He actually should have. He should have taken credit for it. He should have been like, oh, you know, these We got those
1: hooligans out of that section of the crowd.
0: <laughs> got rid of the hardcore wrestling, the horrible fans, the the women. <laughs> the women. Just the women.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and there was still a lot of the women on this show.
0: They are doing things. Well, actually, they're doing the same thing every week, but we'll get into that. The company settled its lawsuit with Jay Hassman and Len Sabal out of court almost one year after J Sports Entertainment filed the lawsuits against Hassman and Sabal and accused them of nearly re- running the company out of business by supplying them with false pay rate information. A settlement was reached in which neither party will collect payment from each other. They they, they filed a, a countersuit at the time. Basically, they're done with each other. <laughs> they're just all moving on.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: The fact is that... It seemed like such a slam-dunk case that Jay Hassman did in fact commit some degree of fraud and they couldn't nail him on it. Probably suggests that there was a degree of incompetence on the other side as well. I am shocked. Saval and Hassman released a statement. Today's joint announcement by the plaintiff and defendant states that the parties have agreed to settle and compromise the litigation through a mutual walkaway. I
1: can't believe they didn't get to drag him across the coals. <laughs>
0: with no settlement payments by any party and to dismiss with any prejudice all claims and counterclaims in the litigation. So they're all just washing their hands of it and moving the other way. Insanity. As uh, mentioned, Jay Hassman would serve time in prison for a separate fraud case in like 2007.
1: Yeah, just a uh, mutual walk away. <laughs> Definitely had nothing to do with anything.
0: He just, none of these people did their jobs and it's fine. They're all incompetent. <laughs> yeah. Just mass incompetence here in the NWTNA.
1: <laughs> you know, if we um would ever take our own quotes to put in the intro, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just mass incompetence here in the NWTNA. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's the end of that story. If you go back and listen, the the and if the full letter is in what the show notes from that episode, it's like August or September or July. It's one of those months where we we went into the the full depths of the Jay Hasman saga. It's it's good fun. There's, the clip is on YouTube as well. If you go to the the,
1: I was gonna say. There you go, we got a nice bookend for a, for
0: the YouTube clip update. Yeah, so if you go to the You've Got to Be Kidding me, YouTube, the the clip of the Jay Hassman stuff is up there too. And clips of everything we've ever done basically is up there. If you ever want to try and find an individual segment of the show, it's there. We should start pimping that out. Yeah, I put enough goddamn time into it. I spent like 30 hours making all of those clips. So.
1: <laughs> it's truly astonishing.
0: The NWA world champion AJ Styles said during a radio interview that he prefers working for the Ring of Honor promotion. Well, isn't that interesting? Because I I prefer watching the Ring of Honor promotion. How dare you suggest that while on this here TNA podcast upsetting me. <laughs> Have you done your thing where you watch Ring of Honor from July 2003? Um, no, I had too much
1: 2022 to watch.
0: And too much 2003 TNA to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Style said that there is a time for wrestling and a time for entertainment, and while he loves working for both promotions, he prefers the competition that comes from working on the Ring of Honor shows. Yep. Styles added that he essentially does the entertainment part of the equation while working for TNA, but he prefers performing in front of the ORH fans. Styles said he wasn't sure whether TNA officials have been keeping an eye on the Ring of Honor performers, but said they are idiots if they're not, because he feels the promotion features some of the best talent in the world. Styles was also critical of Jared for trying to do too many jobs in TNA, jobs as in like literal jobs, not as in losing.
1: Oh, I was gonna say, Styles is getting real meta on the this radio interview
0: when I read this the first time I was like oh god that's a weird criticism that he's thinking Jared. oh no he j- he just means literally doing too much stuff <laughs> Stiles said it's difficult for Jarrett to work as a wrestler booker and owner and wishes he would give up one of those jobs specifically Stiles says he doesn't want a booking anymore <laughs>
1: I was gonna say well he will give up all of them eventually <laughs>
0: Mm. Meanwhile, Styles labeled Russo as a great guy. Styles also praised <laughs> Russo for listening to the ideas... That <laughs> I why that made with... me go... That...
1: <laughs> Sorry, that was an involuntary reaction to that statement. <laughs> the idea
0: that Vince Russo was a great guy makes you just gag?
1: <laughs> I, mean, I just went... I don't know why that happened. I literally didn't put any effort into that. That was my body making that reaction. Um, I'm sure he's a good guy. <laughs>
0: You have to reject the concept of Vince Russo being a great guy at any given moment. I don't
1: know, I don't know how that happened.
0: <laughs> Styles also praised Russo for listening to the ideas that wrestlers come up with and said he is a pleasure to work with. For some people, I'm sure he is. Listen, when you get pushed to be NWA champion, I'm sure you're very happy.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if, if you're in the,
0: the good side, you probably love him. And the dude is making you be featured on every show because you have to stand next to him. And very occasionally you get to speak. Jeff Hardy told wrestlers at the Ring of Honor show that he is not interested in working for NWATNA or, or anybody else right now. Hardy said he is focusing on his music career right now and only worked the ROH as a favour to Joey Matthews.
1: Well, damn, Jeff. Would have been nice to have seen you.
0: So this, if you were watching July 2003 Ring of Honor, you would have seen Jeff Hardy. I know of this, though. <laughs> now infamous Ring of Honor appearance. The Willow. The debut of The Willow, who we will be talking about on this podcast in a very long time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um,
1: just one of the more famous early ROH stories.
0: I would imagine through the years goes into it in much more considerable depth than we ever could. They did, because I listened to it. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the, the utter rejection of Jeff Hardy by the fans of Ring of Honor.
1: (laughs) And, like, the... The background, politic, playing, word around that um, Gabe would say one thing on one side, one thing on the other side of his mouth about it. It's a very interesting topic. I do recommend you go track down that Through the Years episode on it. The through spelt with an O-O-H-T-H, O-O-H, the years. I highly recommend it. It's it's also how I get a lot of um, tidbits about NWA TNA stuff that um, we may miss.
0: Yeah, and it's basically this podcast, but for Ring of Honor. Actually, technically we're this podcast. Anyway, yeah.
1: <laughs> we're that podcast, but for TNA. Yes. But yeah, it is interesting because like I'll listen to it, and um, it was on one of the shows after, might have been last month even, where they were talking about uh, Raven showing up to Ring of Honor with a twisted ankle. And, <laughs> and I was like, ah, I know where that is. And they were like, oh yeah, they must have heard it on some show. And I was like, I know what show it was. <laughs> it happened in a horrible main event. Yeah. It's funny because, like, despite them not being directly affiliated in any way, TNA and Ring of Honor have always had this kind of connection, huh?
0: Yeah, all the way up, again, to 2022, where there's a mild Ring of Honor invasion and the Ring of Honor title is being defended and Roxy, the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, is sitting front row.
1: Yeah, like, which is why I, I, when I was talking, not about it with you, but with other people, I was like, it seems like this was always kind of a destined crossover to happen, and... It's funny, it could have happened many a time over the years, but we uh, we finally got there in 2022, the year of just insanity.
0: <laughs> and it's, it's interesting how many times it came close to happening in various different ways. Like, 05 is when the, the companies were closest and like almost like actively working together, but then, um, for reasons, stopped. <laughs> I mean you can say it's the fine scene stuff. Yeah, it's the fine scene stuff. And uh, TNA kind of wiped uh, washed their hands of Ring of Honor at that stage. Like we want nothing to do with that. And then like 2017 is the other time that they came very close to working together when there was meant to be a Hardys and Young Bucks program that spanned both Ring mm-hmm. of Honor and TNA, but then the Hardys left and went back to WWE and had a very public falling out with TNA. So,
1: of course, you also had the Destination America era where they were literally on the
0: same show on the same network rather not even on the same network they were on the same night ring of honor was the lead-in for for impact honestly i loved that era that was the time where i got back into
1: impact just because i was i was watching ring of honor and i was like yeah i'll watch both
0: yeah because and it it wasn't like an agreement it wasn't them working together it was it just worked out that way impact did not have an exclusivity clause in their contract with destination america and then they were like hey let's just get ring of honor too. make it a wrestling night
1: it felt like a pretty big deal at the time.
0: Because
1: mm. I, I believe, was it the same night as NXT as well? So you had like the three shows all on the same night.
0: And Lucha Underground. You had four.
1: Yeah, It, it was the wrestling night for a long time.
0: Yeah, you had four of the non-big like big WWE shows all just piled in there on a Wednesday. I honestly, I, I, was, I was always really excited when that happened. TNA officials instituted a new policy that requires wrestlers to arrive at the building no later than 2pm on Wednesdays. The company is even ordering wrestlers to sign in once they arrive and has threatened to fine wrestlers who arrive late.
1: Well, this is me and a TW yeah. when I click that option.
0: You're like, this this tardiness problem is just out of control. We need people to show up to the building on time.
1: 50 bucks, though. That's a, that's a pretty steep fine there. It's like, you know... 30% of some of their paydays that
0: is legitimately like 30% of some of their paydays and like some of the enhancement talent like some of them aren't even getting paid so <laughs>
1: they have to pay them like 50 and don't get anything out of it
0: like there are rumblings that's why Bull Buchanan may have just left because he was working dark and enhancement matches and, and explosion matches where a lot of these people not only have to aren't paid but have to pay for their own transport and he was like what the hell why aren't I being paid
1: yeah and now if I'm late,
0: um, I, get, I go in like fully into the negatives for this month. I owe this company money? Yeah. Vince Russo discussed the TNA and WWE writing processes during an interview at No Holds Barred Radio. Russo said that while some viewers blame him for every booking problem in TNA, Jeff Jarrett actually has the final say on all booking matters.
1: <laughs> this dude! <laughs> he can't help himself. He really can't. just had every opportunity... Blap, blap, (laughs) blap. That was the sound of a knife stabbing someone in the back. Okay. Like, 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 it's insanity.
0: He's just a man who cannot go, like, a day without being like, Bro, it's not my fault, bro. It's someone else's fault, bro. If only I had full unfettered power in this company, bro, my creative vision would be able to be fulfilled, and we'd be able to take TNA to the next level, bro. Someone
1: should just, at this point, give him full control, and so we can just see... And we can be like, all right, it's all on you now.
0: Well, I think you kind of have to wait until 2006 to get that. And it becomes... No, I didn't
1: mean anything I'd have to watch.
0: <laughs> Russo added that Glengalbury and Scott De Moore are also involved in the writing process and feels that the current writing crew has worked out very well. It's been fine. To be fair, it's been fine recently. <laughs> it just hasn't been particularly good. Yeah, it's been fine. Russo also took a couple of shots at the WWE's writing process. He said that after meeting with the writing team for six or seven hours last year, he told Vince McMahon that he didn't have enough confidence in the team's vision to believe that they can turn the company around. Russo said the chances of him ever returning to WWE for, uh, to work for WWE are very slim. Probably a couple of reasons. Russo explained that he and Vincent had a lot of success together during their years together, but because they were able to communicate openly. However, Russo believes the current structure would make open communication impossible because there are too many layers of people to go through before you could get Vince's ear.
1: Damn, Vince should just bring Russo in again.
0: Listen, look at NXT 2.0. <laughs> I
1: mean, listen, let's... Listen. Is Vince Russo shadow booking NXT 2.0? I can't say for a definite no.
0: At the very least, it's a pupil of Vince Russo, I would imagine. Looking at the nature of that product and who is goddamn left in NXT, I I would have Mm. my suspicions about what former TNA person may perhaps be booking NXT 2.0 these days. Mm. We watch World Wrestling All-Stars. You've seen the DNA. (laughs)
1: The DNA of TNA Sorry, this is a little off topic But it's very funny So I feel like I should bring it up Have you heard about the new rumours Of the new title belts?
0: No, I haven't Is it a dub cup?
1: Allegedly uh, No, allegedly They're going to remake all the title belts And they're all going to be like colourful And they're going to have like paint splatters on them And the, the image used as a comparison point Was the Jake Paul boxing title Oh no so, yeah, every part of... T- I, JB, I mean, someone, I love you. Uh, I'm just excited about it. I'm just very excited.
0: They, what they should do is they should go to Lego and be like, we'd like to do a co-promotional <sighs> opportunity where we make our championship belts out of Lego. And and then you can sell them. You can sell the Lego versus Imagine the, the belt models. shot. Yeah, and the belt would explode, and then someone would have to literally sweep the Lego pieces back and put... put... No, then they do moves onto the Legos like it's um, IWS. And every week there's slightly fewer parts on the the belt, because they've lost a few pieces of the Lego.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But they get to remake it for every champion, so it looks a little different.
0: Because I was making the Lego NES on Christmas Day. Me and my brother sat down on the floor to make this thing. Because I was like, how complicated can it be to make this Lego NES? The answer, Liam, was very complicated. <laughs> Apparently from the struggles I saw. I was in physical pain for two days. Because I sat on the floor too long trying to make this damn Lego NES. And it's only like half Why done. Do you sit on like a cushion. <laughs> Listen, I didn't think that through. I didn't think it would take that long. I was like, well, let's just sit down and make this thing. It's it's not going to be that bad. Why didn't you do it at a table? Because like, it was Christmas Day. The table was being used for Christmas paraphernalia and being set for people to eat. And I was sitting there for like five hours. And by the time we got to dinner, it was only half done. And I my, my back was absolutely devastated. I took like 16 hours just to stand up. And I was like, god damn Lego.
1: <laughs> well... That should be how you win the championship. You have to build... It should be a Lego Masters competition <laughs> instead.
0: No wrestling. They just sit there and they have to make it. Mm. The general consensus in the locker room is that teen officials have not totally soured on Goldilocks, but are instead hoping to put her ego in check by reducing <laughs> her on-air role for a few weeks. Oh, damn. Because <laughs> there's a lot of notes about Goldilocks this month. They're like, oh, you know, because Eric Watts is a character, they're not using her this week or they're not using her this week because they want to sell the Trinity attacker last week. But no, she just disappears for most of the month because Scott Hudson is backstage interviewer this month. He's really good, too. He's so much better than Goldilocks is. He's like the an utter pro. He's like the pro is of pros. I don't want
1: to turn on Goldilocks, Garrett.
0: I don't want to. Don't worry. Goldilocks will be back as a character, not an interviewer.
1: I guess that's better.
0: <laughs> I will say Scott Hudson did mispronounce... Uh, Frankie Kazarian at one stage is this month he called him Frankie Kazarian. Did he?
1: Because then everyone else
0: called him Kazarian. Oh, it's Kazarian here.
1: <laughs> yeah, like um, and then like because Eric Watts is in the same segment and he calls him Kazarian. I'm like, wait, was he Kazarian for a bit?
0: <laughs> Maybe. Eric M- 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 Watts was like, oh god, I don't know his name either. And Scott Hudson said Kazarian, so I'll just go with Kazarian.
1: Yeah, Eric Watts is like, I thought it was Kazarian, but it- Scott said Kazarian, and he he wouldn't fuck it up.
0: <laughs> D-boy Scott Hudson Kazarian. Yeah, um, Scott's great. He's just just an absolute pro. It's a shame, like, he has a run in TNA, he's eventually replaced his backstage interview by the franchise, Shane Douglas. That's fair. Like, if you're gonna get uh, one-upped by someone, the franchise ain't bad. And he never really works in wrestling in a meaningful capacity again after that, which is a shame, because he was very good. He should get a Schiavone-esque reunion with the biz. And uh, I knew you said WCW, AEW don't really have, like, a consistent backstage interviewer. They have, like, Alex Marvez sometimes. They... Shivani, but half the time. Yeah, Giovanni has to run backstage off commentary to do backstage interviews. Get Scott Hudson. Yeah. Oh, no, get Goldilocks.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Goldilocks on Dynamite every week doing backstage interviews, making her faces. Alternatively. Goldilocks. Eric Watts. <laughs> ah, yeah, that would work, too. All three of them. Just yeah. Hudson, Watts, and Goldie just standing there all with microphones shoving them in people's faces.
1: Finally, the Eric Watts throuple.
0: <laughs> Listen, Hudson was there when he was trying to do the thruple the first time, but when Abyss showed up, he was the guy doing the interview. Yeah. Hudson, Hudson's a pro. Borash noted in his Monday website column that uh, this week that a major video game manufacturer was in attendance last week and he was unimpressed <laughs> with the program.
1: <laughs> Why did... Do- he, why does he put that in
0: I don't know he added nearly every week we seem to be entertaining potential business partners at our events which is a clear indicator of how good the future of our company looks <laughs> not if you fucking bury them on the internet Jeremy <laughs> why would you say
1: unimpressed
0: why would you be like look how great we're doing look at all the people we have backstage look at all these companies showing up oh TNA's doing great but also the company and companies. they all think we're terrible and the company that showed up was shit
1: Oh, so when he said unimpressed by the program I thought he meant the video game company was unimpressed with the program
0: oh yeah that, that there is ambiguity there so is he un- unimpressed with the video game program because Jerry Barr seems like a guy who'd be like oh yeah do the Doom program you know
1: no see I thought it was that the video game manufacturer showed
0: up and was unimpressed with <laughs> TNA and that's why I was like why would you bring that up either way he's either burying the potential partner or the potential partner has buried him neither of which is ideal i wonder what the video game manufacturer was it was probably just like some no never heard of indie game
1: Mm. oh there's more crowd discussion let's go
0: yeah this is an interesting one because i think again you see it play out in the attendances and the energy in the building over the month there's been some discussion mm. regarding the crowd. Panda made the call to limit freebies as a way to increase paid attendance. The crowds have been down around eight hundred the crowds have been down to around eight hundred the past few weeks. I have to copy edit Dave Meltzer on the fly, by the way, here. <laughs> Roughly fifty percent paid. So while paid attendance is up a little, others believe the lack of a full house has hurt the atmosphere on television, which they're not wrong sure. about that. <laughs> There's like particularly a Frankie Kazarian against Chris Sabin match, where the crowd oh. just Just doesn't care. (laughs)
1: Frankie comes out, quite literally, not a single person reacts. Yeah. Like, like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, there was silence. No boos, no cheers, no jeers. Nothing. Silence. And I was like, I thought you got pretty over in that last match. They were were doing the Frankie thing? Like...
0: (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, Heat has been way down generally and was way down on the July 16th show, although they weren't given much to cheer about, is what Dave says. <laughs> Which he's, All right, Dave. He's also not wrong that some of these shows don't have a lot to cheer about. But you see, like, attendances of the first show of the month about 700, 900, 800 for the third, and then they go up to 1100 and 1,000 for the last two shows of the month, where they're like, oh, God, nobody's reacting. Let's give away tickets again.
1: Yeah, I was going to say those last couple of shows felt bigger.
0: Yeah, and there's atmosphere there, particularly like the the new church against gathering matches, I think, have really good heat. And that's because they got people in the building again, and they kind of care. So that's a plus.
1: Mm. Uh, that's one thing I will say, is like I feel like all of the acts the crowd like got into towards the end of the month.
0: Mm.
1: Like, people were like, oh, okay, we get it. Like, well, we know these people now, we're invested. Like, even Matt Bentley earned his stripes in his first match, and they were, like, into it.
0: Yeah, and it's the classic reboot month where it's like they didn't do a hard reboot. They're not like, This is everything is different now. We're changed. It's just like we're we're gonna introduce new characters. We're gonna have the likes of Joy Legend, we're gonna have the likes of Don Callis who would become like consistent characters on the show. And like most of the people on the show are still more or less the same. They're they as you said, they introduced Michael Shane as well at the end of the month, who has uh, Magic and Saban. And they're very slowly being like, we are something different and new and it takes time for something and different and new to get over. It's not just a shock and all Vince Russo segment followed by this random surprise followed by a hardcore match, which has been basically the formula of the company for like the first six months of the year and now they're like we have a more consistent roster there are some surprises this month we'll get into it when they we talk about the shows but for the most part it's it's something new and different some people kind of have nothing to do at the moment like jerry lynn i think is one of those people who's like after he finishes the just incredible stuff they're like we don't really have something for you right now so just here's random matches but for the most part it's it's just taking time to do something new and the crowd do eventually get into it especially when they get more people in the building
1: they show a remarkable amount of patience and restraint for
0: the NWA TNA. Especially for, like, the, the legend stuff. That stuff would have been dropped, like, just immediately in 2002
1: TNA. Well, well, here's a good example of it. It's basically five weeks of Daniel's vignettes. Yeah. Like, that shows some serious restraint for them not to be, like, one week and then he's back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: There are plans of doing a World X Cup division tournament. It's in uh, the hazy stages, but there is talk of breaking it up into an international division and a US division. Teddy Hart and Harry Smith have been mentioned as people in the international division, probably with the idea it could lead to a Bret Hart appearance. At this point, none of this is close to finalized. We will see that not in August, but in September we'll see the first Super X Cup.
1: As I kill this mosquito. Garrett, Mm -hmm. Australia does not have a great World Cup History. No, unless you're talking about the Rugby World
0: Cup, which I believe you've won.
1: Congratulations to us. But, <laughs> but, but we have a chance here. All right. So, Impact mm-hmm. is pandering to the Australians, right? Right. We have the pay-per-view. Oh, there's a kangaroo mascot. Ooh, there's that guy, Ashley something. Uh, Hudson. He was there for a while. Hudson, there you go. This is how we do it. All right. Australia finally winning the World <laughs> Cup. Australia, it's coming home.
0: Liam, there's no Australians in the Super X Cup. Foiled again! Constantly persecuted. In international competition.
1: This is why Daniels is right. Tradition is flawed.
0: (laughs) We need sports entertainment. Save us, Christopher Daniels. Please.
1: Um, Maybe Vince was right. Vince would have had Ashley Hudson
0: in the the World Cup. Vince would have had, like, Eric Watts win the World X
1: Cup. Okay, another great choice. <laughs> I don't get what your point there
0: is. but Yes, we'll be talking about the Super S Cup probably more next month, but the actual thing happens in September.
1: And more importantly, we'll be talking about Eric Watts very soon.
0: This is a, a very busy... Well, it's actually it's the vaguely busy Eric Watts month.
1: But it's a great one.
0: All right, broad topics for the month. Let's start with AJ Styles and Dealer Brown. AJ defends the belt basically every week this month. Yeah, I didn't even put that together, but he does I think there's one week where he doesn't It's the week where there's the D'Lo Russo match AJ has the week off But yeah, he's just defending the belt Mostly against D'Lo And multiple times against D'Lo on individual shows
1: Was that a three separate matches each one for the title? Or was that... That was at best two out of three, right? Yeah,
0: that was your three stages of Hell style match uh, With each different stipulation But three distinct matches Yes, just like last time You admit it, thank you Nope Nope.
1: No, like I said, it's three separate matches if there's space in between the matches. Ugh,
0: there was space in between the matches. If it's one matches, right it after the other, short. that is the same match. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> rehashing old podcast problems. Well, stop being wrong. How dare you. And I won't have to bring it up again. NWA TNA pay-per-view number 52 July 2nd 2003 Jeff Jarrett does not have a title shot because he was beaten up a couple times so he's not there so AJ Styles is like Jarrett's not here so I'm going to give a title shot to you Frankie Kazarian. And Frankie's like sure <laughs> thanks. Kazarian who had just beaten Saban the, the week prior so he was in line for an next division title shot then instead is given a world championship match against the phenomenal AJ Styles.
1: Yeah and um, I was excited for this too.
0: So yeah, that was the main event of that show, Styles against Frankie. Uh, This is the show we did the watch-along for as well, so if you'd like to hear our thoughts about that and Gleet, you can go to tnachad.com. Yeah, good little match. Nothing special. The most notable thing was that Frankie became the first person in TNA history to take the Styles Clash the wrong way.
1: How many people do you think it ends up happening to in TNA specifically?
0: It's not that many. Who's, like... I think there's one that they do it on purpose. I think it was Stevie Richards. They did, mm. Stevie Richards takes it the wrong way too But I I think that might have been like a deliberate Do it as an angle thing
1: Ah the Roderick Strong <laughs>
0: <laughs> So yeah it, it's the classic When you take the Stas Clash you either put your head back Or keep it perfectly still and you'll be fine the only thing you don't want to do is put your head forward, which I know is is instinctively wrong for pro wrestlers who do want to tuck it's their counter-intuitive
1: head. Counterintuitive to a- almost everything in pro wrestling,
0: where you always want to tuck your head when you take a bump. But the Slaz Clash is the one you do not tuck your head to take that bump, or you'll break your goddamn neck. So, Frankie tucked his neck, dropped the Styles Clash right in his head. Turns out he was fine. He had a sore neck after taking the Styles Clash finisher on the top of his head, but did not require medical attention, and he was wrestling the next week. So, it did not end in disaster, but it is notable that it took 13 months for somebody to take the Styles Clash the wrong way. I would have thought Styles and Frankie would have known each other well enough for Frankie to know how to take a Styles Clash.
1: Well, where would they have been interacting with at this point?
0: I don't know. I would have thought, like, AJ would have worked, like, West Coast Indies at this stage.
1: Yeah, um, 2004, would we have the early PWG stuff at this point?
0: And like Frankie would have been a name enough to work East Coast Indies at this stage. I would have said he did Ring of Honor at this stage, right?
1: He yeah he um he had uh, just debuted in Ring of Honor the
0: month previous because like Frankie is a guy who goes like Frankie's been wrestling since I think two thousand two thousand one maybe earlier. So like he's not a new name on the scene. I think
1: he's I think you said he was ninety nine, didn't you? Because you're like surprised that he was like a a 90s guy
0: yeah he goes all the way back so like he's not a new name on the scene he's been like one of the consistent this is one of the cool indie guys he's been working the wwa shows as well so like he's definitely seen a stars clash
1: I was gonna say he's also been breaking out during you know 2003
0: 2004 in the time where age of stars is one of the biggest names on the indies and is literally everywhere and doing the stars clash everywhere yeah, But listen, when you're in the ring, heated moment to just tuck your head, wrestler instant kicks in, you get dropped in your head. It's very unfortunate.
1: Listen, I don't want to say much about this match was heated.
0: <laughs> That's true. This match was perfectly fine. They had a, a good, fine little match that was pretty remar- unremarkable for the most part. They,
1: Yeah, they went out there and wrestled.
0: Yeah, D-Lo came out afterwards as brawled, set up more AJ Styles, D-Lo Brown stuff, which takes us to NWAT and APB number 53. In which the 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 show is built around AJ facing D-Lo for the title in the main event and D-Lo has a big equalizer for Russo Liam. Mm. We'll talk about the the, was... the Jared legend and Russo promo when we get the Jared and legend in a minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but there was a, a really cool um chicken coop.
0: Yeah, so there there was the like chicken coop cage that, that the weasel cage as Mike Tenet called it calling back to Bobby Heenan
1: one thing I I about it is, is that later on Styles burst out of it which makes Russo look like a giant wimp yeah it,
0: it's really if you look at it it is not the most like structurally sound cage it does feel like a cage that could be shattered at any given moment and was yeah that again a good match I, I would have thought was it the best match of theirs this month and that's uh, probably the latter match of the three or four. Yeah,
1: I, I liked the I liked the ladder match more, and I liked the submission match more. Mm. Honestly, you probably even liked that opener more.
0: They did beat the hell out of D'Lo after the match. My favorite part of which is that they locked him inside a, a, the the chicken coop <laughs> and then started hitting it with a baseball bat. And I'm like, you guys yeah. didn't think this attack through, did you?
1: Maybe it was just to intimidate.
0: So they were just hitting the wood. They were just bashing the wood. So That's pretty scary, though. <laughs> yeah, but they protected him from the baseball bat shots. Yeah, but were, he's like, oh, no. Ah, this is scary. It's loud noises. Uh, AJ Styles does the Fosbury flop in this match, and I'm not sure if it's the first time he's done it, but it is the moment that Mike Dene and Don West give it the, the, the give the move its name. Yeah, which
1: is, like, funny, because the Pele was that exact situation scenario
0: last month. Yeah, so, so he does the Fosbury flop, and then Mike Mike it's, oh, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Fosbury at the Olympics. And uh, Don's like, oh, yeah, 1974, or whatever it was. Don remembered the year of the Olympics. And, yeah, they, that they're... I love when, like, wrestler move names come from, like, just organic ideas on commentary, instead of, like, this is the name of the move.
1: Yeah, because well, also a lot of the times the
0: names suck. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the Fosbury flop. and it's one of AJ's coolest things that he does NWA TNA pay-per-view number 53 the story of this show is that D-Lo wants to get five minutes in the ring with Vince Russo so he has to defeat Sonny Siaki which he does quite handily Hmm. Uh, he does a sick Undertaker dive in that freaking Siaki match though D-Lo's crazy yeah like (laughs) he does the dive and like his head goes back and his legs go. he like ragdolls in the air (laughs) as he's doing the Undertaker dive it's incredible and half the time he does it and barely makes stuff, <laughs> and you're just like, ah, D-Lo! And then he's like, ah, D-Lo! To be fair, barely making it is what, there's like half of what makes it good.
1: Yeah, fair enough. It's like, um, Kaito did a uh, Topicon Healer over the top rope. <laughs> um, he did like uh, Ricochet's corner version over the-
0: <laughs> and he just like barely, barely, barely got over it. Yeah. It's very scary. It's ideal. So, defeating Siaki, he got five minutes with Russo at the end of the show, and it just turned out D'Lo got his ass kicked.
1: I was pissed by this. (laughs) Yeah, like, how dare you promise me Vince Russo getting beaten up and then not deliver?
0: Yeah, at least you could, like, give a little bit of D'Lo whooping his ass before a beatdown. But, like, immediately AJ, Legends, Siaki, and Trinity were out, and they just beat the shit out of D'Lo five-on-one.
1: I did like him fighting off everyone. I thought he looked pretty good then, but then once
0: they overpowered him, they got him.
1: Uh, he also he did the a really awesome switch with
0: the the
1: handcuffs, mm. like that was smooth.
0: <laughs> Dilo very adept with handcuffing people to things.
1: Yeah, like because Siaki's going up and he's trying to handcuff Lo to the top rope, and T-Lo like does some fucking Ocean's Eleven shit and like twists the damn handcuffs around and puts it on Siaki. I was like, how did? Oh, that was that shit was so smooth.
0: Dilo is clearly a magician.
1: I was saying that because I
0: was literally watching Ocean's Eleven while this was happening. What you were watching something else while watching TNA?
1: Yeah, I had to leave halfway through because I'm like, oh man, Ocean's Eleven is too good.
0: <laughs> it's distracting me. Literally halfway through the segment, it's like, oh
1: yeah, I was literally I was like, oh man, this movie's
0: good. So yeah, D-Lo does get none of his five minutes with Russo. He just gets his ass kicked. Poor guy. Yeah, I'm 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 devastated by it. And that brings us to NWA TNA Baby number 54, in which there's the big AJ Styles D-Lo two out of three falls world championship match. So there's a singles match, a submission match in the middle of the show, and a ladder match at the end of the show for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship.
1: So you loved this first match, and I need you to tell me why. Did I love it? Three and a quarter. That's like a good little match. (laughs) but by TNA standard that's like the best match of the month
0: it, it, it is among the better matches of the month I thought it was just a good little match because they opened the show so they had a bunch of heat I, yeah, there's nothing like special D-Lo did a freaking moonsault fall away slam yeah that did rule which I don't think I, I thought like I know Josh Alexander does that and who else does someone else does that don't they Bandido Bandido does it and um Paige Hangman yeah but no he doesn't does he do the flip with it he flips with it. And yeah, Moose has done it before as well. Like, I know it's a modern indie move, but I didn't think P, like somebody was doing this all the way back in 2003. And, d- and I like, think of the guys who
1: were like were saying also do that. Like Hangman, Moose, Bandito, like really crazy athletic dudes. Yeah. So d you're fucking up
0: there. So basically entirely for that Moonsault follow Away But I thought it was a hot opener. I thought, like as I said, like opening with AJ and D-Lo, the crowd were very hot. It's like, as I said, three and a quarter. It's not the best match you'll ever see in your life, but it's a good little match.
1: I don't know. threes are very meaningful for me in the NWA team.
0: <laughs> I like a, a three is a sign that I should get excited for this match. Uh, they had a submission match in the middle of the show. Siaki interfered, by the way, so AJ went one 0 up. So they had a submission match in the middle of the show where they were like Styles and Russo were freaking out backstage because they didn't want it to go to the ladder match. But so they attacked Dilo before the match. The, Stiles, the Siaki distracted them, and then Styles hit a. Like, the best part of this match was before the match even happened. That chop look on the ramp looked great.
1: Mm. I thought this match was really cool. I liked the back and forth. I
0: liked D'Lo stretching him at the end. Mm. So they had a, a basic ass submission match. Yeah. This was the match where there was a split screen of D'Lo Brown's butt. <laughs> yes. He hit what I think... I think it was a sky high. I can't remember what the exact move was. And they're like, oh, let's go to a replay. And, they cut her and they're like, nope. The replay is just the live shot split in two, but it just happens to be while D'Lo Baron is like, getting up and bended over, so it's just a, a split-screen shot where D'Lo's butt is split between both of the screens. It's very good stuff.
1: I like that um, Tanay and Don were clearly like taken aback by this.
0: Yes, it's like, oh, let's go to replay. They go to the replay, it's like, oh, the technical difficulties, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then we go to the main event, the ladder match, which
1: I thought was pretty fucking nuts.
0: Yeah, like they do a bunch of wild shit. The 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 most notable part uh, where D'Lo sets AJ up on a table outside of the ring, gets to the top of a ladder inside of the ring, and dives from the ladder uh, inside of the ring all the way to the floor through a table,
1: and a real rickety ass ladder too, by the way.
0: Yeah, that that ladder was like shaken, and it's like, oh god, dealer, you're going to die, and that's what knocked AJ Styles out. <laughs> Wait, really? He was knocked out for a half minute after he took that to the table. It was wild. Wow, it was a great moment where like the ladder rebounded, where, where like they did a spot and Dilo fell, and then the ladder rebounded and fell on Dilo. But Dilo saw it coming, so he could actually sell it properly, and it wasn't like super dangerous. It was really cool.
1: Yeah, like I was thinking about the like half of the the offense in this match was ladders falling on Dilo. <laughs> the poor guy. It happened a lot. And every time I was like, again? You just could not stop ladders falling on him. It was either sometimes they were just falling on him, and then sometimes it was AJ pushing them into him, and then sometimes it was AJ throwing them into him. But ladders colliding with D'Lo was most of this match.
0: Yeah, so the finish was they both climbed the ladder, they both got the title, they both fell to the mat, Rudy Charles came out, they had a moment of deliberation, but because the ladder match was a draw, they determined that AJ would remain the champion.
1: So, I want to give this match some credit here. I
0: bit on Delo winning.
1: I was like, did Delo win the NWA fucking championship?
0: Because, yeah, when he hit that frog splash off the t- ladder through the table, AJ was literally dead. He was literally unconscious. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it was, it, it was a very long um, long walk. Tiaki interfered, didn't he, so that he wouldn't win? Yeah. But I, I, I bit
1: it for a second. I was like, holy shit, Delo's winning this.
0: I also enjoyed that Vince Russo was banned from ringside from this ma- for this match. <laughs> the camera cuts they cut to a shot of him like looking through a small hole in the stage so that he could like a see fucking him. pervert he was spying on the match because he was banned from ringside and he wanted to watch it
1: we should splice that and then put it into other wrestling moments
0: <laughs> where it's just like Rock Hogan and Russo's like huh, huh?
1: yeah <laughs> it's NXT 2.0 and he's like "Eh,
0: eh." Uh, so they they went to a 1-1 draw I guess or 2-2 draw depending on how how 1-1-1 yeah it was 1-1-1 that makes more sense so that Styles retained the belt but there is nothing solved here between Styles and D'Lo Brown and then last show of the month there is some dissension within the ranks Liam of of Vince Russo's new stable
1: I hate This company, man. I'm so sick of tag teams and stables not getting along.
0: (laughs) So AJ Styles is out with Sonny Siaki. Siaki's doing his his promo. There's a sign in the background, by the way, if you're looking at it, that's blurred, that the sign says, Siaki aced your mama's hole. Which, you know what? Maybe shouldn't have been blurred.
1: Well, I guess with the new direction, perhaps, they thought that was too much.
0: No, I I think that's not blurred in the original. That's a, a modern blur for Impact Plus.
1: Oh, yeah that's stupid like with the other (laughs) shit that's gone through
0: there is if you notice earlier in the month there is a a double whammy sign that's blurred that's a homophobic slur against Jeremy Borash so that one is very understandably blurred I didn't even get that one I think it was like it was one of the shows I I couldn't see what exactly what it said but he could make out more or less the the subtext of what it said (laughs) Because it was a little blurry oh, yeah. on the original version I had, but it was very clearly homophobic. Directed at JB. But yeah, so Siaki's in the ring. Siaki's talking about how his magic stick pleases all the women. And then White and Andon West are like, magic stick?
1: <laughs> I thought magic stick was going to get over. I thought that, I thought that was, if the heel section was still around, magic stick would have. Uh... Been a big thing over the next month.
0: So Styles and Siaki are out together. They're arguing with each other. Styles tells Siaki to know his role, and then the crowd chant, know your yeah. role yeah. at Siaki. Because he's, he's the rock. Yeah, when the, they, they tend to know your role, and we're like, oh, ah, yeah. ah. Because the idea here is Russo isn't here tonight. He does have an interview at Mike Tanay, but he's not actually But also in the building.
1: AJ's right. Shut the fuck up,
0: <laughs> Siaki. You have been nothing. I suppose he's been ex-champ. But other than that, you've been nothing but a mid-card nerd for your entire TNA run so far. Please do know your role.
1: And also, AJ kills him with one line. He's like, yeah, when you're the top
0: champion, you can do that stuff. And he's like, you wouldn't know anything about that. Ooh. D-Lo comes out then, and already, in July 2003, we're having characters talk about how they want to see the old AJ Styles.
1: <laughs> Need the old hangman. Need the old
0: Austin. Like, he, this company is... 13 months old and we're already like we want the aj we knew and love not this aj and like by the way aj turned heel in like september 2002 like he was not a wholesome baby face for more than like two weeks before he had the weird on and off again heel turns with with jerry lynn and then actually turned heel in like september october because october he was doing the red matches where he was firmly a heel
1: He's been more of a heel than he has a face in TNA. Even, like, when he was doing the D-Lo tag stuff, he was the dickhead and D-Lo was, like, the cool guy. Yeah, so, like, the entirety of TNA,
0: like, the old AJ Styles is this, frankly. Yeah, like, AJ's just always been like this. He has never been a babyface for long. Like, he was a babyface at the very start. And he was a babyface for like July. As mentioned, like the Jerry Lynn stuff just had co- the, those two constantly going back and forth and who he went to root for. And then he was an actual heel for the entirety of like being managed by Warner Plumtree. So, like, it's mm. been a heel this whole time, D'Lo. There's never been an old AJ Styles. <laughs> he means like uh, Ring of Honor, <laughs> first year AJ. He means WCW AJ Styles. He wants to see him team with Air Paris again.
1: He wants Air Styles. Let's go.
0: So, uh, Siaki and Styles attacked D-Lo. Eric Watts made the save and then booked a big cage match for next week for the world title. Biggest baby face in the biz. Why is Eric Watts booking cage matches? We'll get into that in a moment. I'm so excited. So yeah, you would have thought a month built around Styles and D-Lo feuding and wrestling a bunch would have been a little better than it was. But, like, as, as mentioned, of the three matches, or four matches they had this month, I thought... One of them was, I didn't like the submission match much, I thought it was fine. The, the, the opener of the the, the two or of three falls, a lot of fun. The latter match, they just did bonkers shit. And then the other match was pretty good, nothing special.
1: Yeah, nothing great from them.
0: I thought the match where AJ became number one contender was their best match. The, when yes, I, I, I agree with that as well. Did wild shit again.
1: <laughs> and also, I'm kind of like it's the AJ Jerry Lynn thing where it's like I'm kind of sick of this fucking matchup now especially three matches in one night it kind of kills it yeah
0: and four matches in one month
1: yeah after just having like two more the month before
0: but you have again like all the AJ Styles Jerry Lynn matches you have one more to look forward to
1: (laughs) great and then like it'll be like, this is the wrestling observer t-
0: feud of the year, <laughs> and I'll be like, well, fuck me. Alex Maravez will be like, oh, there's never been better wrestling than AJ Styles versus D'Lo Brown. He's he loved that uh, submission match. He's like that ladder spot was the most spectacular thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Until I saw uh, Hangman Page,
0: MJF, and Kip Sabian. <laughs> How dare you! No, never mind. It's not until September. Damn it. <laughs> what? There's an AJ-Jerry uh, Lynn world title match coming up. I was hoping it would be in August. <laughs> it's <not> uh-huh, fool. <laughs> it's not until September, so you, you will have a D-Lo match next month and then a Jerry Lynn match again in September.
1: <laughs> How dare you spoil for me that he doesn't lose the title to D-Lo next month.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. So, that's all of your AJ-D-Lo stuff. Let's go to Jarrett and Joey Legend, Liam. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, can I don't... I Honestly... I don't care about any of this. I don't have anything funny to say. <laughs> I don't have any quips. I don't have any critiques. I just don't care about any of it. So. <laughs> I might just sit it out. Garrett, just go ahead. Just run this whole storyline down.
0: NWATNA pay-per-view number 52, July 2nd. Joe E. Legend makes his debut where he joins Vince Russo and AJ Styles. Russo's out in a lawn chair. He's doing his gloating character. I have no time for Russo as a performer anymore, by the way. Like, I don't like him. And, like, I used to not like him for different reasons, but I used to respect that his, like, delivery used to be good. Russo, I'm just over Russo. Like, as a television character, I think he's extremely boring sorry i legitimately sat back then
1: <laughs> um no, no i don't mind russo still like i I'm, I'm i think he is smarmy i wish again it's like my problem with all these people is like i wish he showed ass a little more i wish he was a little more of a goof who was getting his comeuppance and wasn't always winning but as a character i don't mind him as a performer i don't mind him all right, then. Um,
0: legend comes out.
1: <laughs> You're <laughs> upset about that revelation.
0: Yeah, I want you to validate my hatred of Vince Russo at all times, Lee, when you you weren't there for me. This is a betrayal.
1: I'm sure I'll get there. <laughs> give it another month.
0: so uh yeah legend comes out with AJ they beat the living hell out of Jarrett they make him bleed he is internal bleeding he is like so concerned there's that Jerry is this one where Jerry comes out yeah this is no the next week is where Jerry comes out there's so many times they beat the shit out of Jarrett this month it's hard to keep track of which is which yeah but they they lay him out and he's spitting they blood. do the same thing they do no
1: I mean sorry I'm sitting out don't worry about it <laughs>
0: So, yes, uh, nw 18 Baby number 53 the following week. Joey Legend comes out dressed in in a New York Yankee shirt, Liam. Hey, bro! Jeff Jarrett is here (laughs) against Doctor's orders. And then Legend comes out doing what is meant to be a New York accent. And I do not believe was in any way a New York accent. He stirs the coffee. He's the straw that stirs the coffee. Is he? Stirs the coffee. I'm... From New York, and I'm speaking like this. Hey, this is my. New where's York the accent. freaking
1: gabagoo? Do
0: you think he 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 mixed up New York and York, the town in England? So he did a York accent instead of a New York accent.
1: I, I don't think he did any accent. I think he. You know what I think he did? I think he just came from playing D&D, and this was the voice he gave whatever mystical character he was playing.
0: Oh, you're of yonder. I am here to <laughs> be the Vince Russo. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, it's just in He's like, oh, hello, sir. How are you? Would you, would you like to purchase this item? And he's like, hey, oh, I would like, where's the coffee? <laughs> I am walking here. I am- Thou is walking here. (laughs) Where- Where is thou, Gabagool? (laughs) You, motherfucker, you. And also, I was extra offended. How dare these two come out here and
0: steal the bits of doing terrible accents.
1: That's our thing. Yeah,
0: not only does Joey Legend do a horrific New York accent. That's my thing, specifically. Vince Russo comes out and does a Jeff Jarrett impression. (laughs) Well, well... (laughs) je double double re double t <laughs> What does that spell? You have committed more Aha! to an impression of Jeff Jarrett in that one sentence than Vince Russo did in the entirety of this promo. To be fair, he
1: committed mostly into those pants. He
0: did. He was wearing the suspenders 90s Jeff Jarrett look, which I, I was wondering, how do you put that on? Because it has the suspenders, and then it has like a circular neck thing. So do you have to like step into it? I'm guessing it probably just has... Yeah, probably. And then you put it over your head. Does it open at the neck? You'd probably get him from the side. Uh, I, was, I was looking at it while Russo was wearing it. It's like, how, how, do you, how do you put this on? Listen, we were all looking at it while <laughs> Russo was wearing it. Because boy, was he wearing it. He was commenting on how it was very tight.
1: Yeah, I just shit myself.
0: So he was doing it. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little Dixie then.
1: A little Dixie card. You can't then.
0: help it. It's, it's natural.
1: Ain't I great? Ain't I great? Haha! <laughs> Slap knots. Slapnuts?
0: So yeah, they do a, a, a modest impression of Jeff Jarrett before Jarrett comes out, tries the to...
1: best part of this was no no best part of this was Vince Russo saying a line, then going to the second rope and throwing up the the Jeff
0: Jarrett peace sign like single, and then slipping as he goes up. Good bit. <laughs> they should have done a thing where uh, Legend tried to pin Jarrett, and then the Russo shoved both hands up in the air.
1: <laughs> Got all the stroke around here.
0: So, eventually, Jared comes out, they brawl, they cut him off, and they beat the living hell out of him again, so much so that Jerry has to come out and check on him. (laughs) What a dork. By the way, Legend's Cutter is, like, spinning cutter thing he does as a finish. It's called the Stone Cutter. What does that mean? Which is that a reference to the, the, the Simpsons Secret Society, Liam?
1: Isn't that like a real secret society?
0: Well, I, I, I don't think it's really called the Stonecutters. It's like the oh ordinary. wait no, Diamond Cutter. You see? <laughs> yeah. So it's that's the but the the famous Simpsons episode. they have the Stonecutters. Do you remember the Stonecutters? But cutters?
1: also like yeah, I get yes. I remember the Stone. Do you cutters? remember
0: the Stone... They had you a song held back the electric car. Who <laughs> made Gene Gutenberg? Asta. Who controls the TNA crown? Who keeps the X Division down? We do. We do. Who keeps Atlanta off the map? Who
1: told the heel section to fuck off? (laughs) We do. We
0: do. Who told
1: Goldilocks we've had enough? (laughs) We do.
0: Uh, So yeah, they lay him out. Then multiple times later in the show, like Jarrett's being checked on by doctors and Legend attacks him again. Jarrett's being loaded into a stretcher, and legend attacks him again.
1: Yeah, it's
0: constant, constant assault. There is three, three straight shows this month, which is just legend
1: attacking Jeff Jarrett. But don't be fair, that's every Jarrett feud. is either him attacking someone constantly, or someone attacking Jarrett constantly. Mm. Um, so one thing I really resent is that for one week he was just a legend. Mm. And you wrote in the spreadsheet, that you can also see from going to teenagehead.com, that... You wrote Jeff Jarrett versus Legend, and I was like, "Oh, that's very considerate of Garrett." Jeff Jarrett's wrestling some sort of Legend, <laughs> and I and he, he's writing Legend so I don't get spoiled as I put it in my other star ratings. And then when Legend came out, I was like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> he is in fact a
0: just wrestling Legend,"
1: which, like, again, uh, big,
0: <laughs> big ass for this guy, huh? Mm. NWA TNA pay-per-view number 54, July 16th, 2003. Jarrett and Legend brawl a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure do.
0: So they open the show, they brawl. Later in the show, they brawl. Later in the show, they're meant to have a match. And then Legend attacks Jarrett backstage and they brawl. And Legend beats Jarrett in like two minutes because they brawled so much. Cool. It's, I'm so, this was the point where it's like, I am so over this feud. <laughs> I'm so over these two human beings.
1: I was watching this, and I, um, you know, I had to agree
0: with AJ. Jarrett is doing too many jobs. <laughs> he is. He's getting his ass kicked far too much by people on these shows.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was legitimately shocked that fucking legend beat Jarrett.
0: Yeah. I guess, like, they they set it up by having Jarrett get his ass kicked two weeks in a row. He had internal bleeding. I he was don't tetrified.
1: care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they brawled so much. It's, Jared uh, t- Jarrett should have refused to put this guy over. <laughs> Listen, he's trying to make a new guy, maybe Legend, because Legend's not a bad wrestler. Like, Legend isn't a guy who's like, oh, geez, he's the worst thing. He's probably, like, better than Disco. He's got some charisma to him. And, like, I don't know, he's a guy who's been working in Europe since, like, 2004. He's just doing random, like, low-level indies in Europe for, like, the last 20 years. He's just a guy who's working in Poland and Germany and not, in like, WXW and, like, the other companies in Germany. And, like, have you seen his accent work? Yeah, they should have him do accents all over Europe. So,
1: one thing weird about this feud is that... Ow, as my mic hits me in the head. One thing weird about this feud is that halfway through it just turns into some weird, like, Canada versus USA
0: thing. Yeah. Which felt out of nowhere. Because they have no idea what this feud's actually about, other than just, like... I guess, like, legend is the heavy f- to keep Jarrett away from Styles. I think that's the idea here. But
1: that's never
0: addressed. No, and <laughs> it's just not interesting in any way whatsoever.
1: Also, there's this, like, there's that weird Russo interview, and Russo's like, oh, I don't care about Jarrett.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. He's lying. I
1: hate him. But, like, like, but, like your story this month has nothing to do with
0: Jarrett. <laughs> well, this whole thing is to do with Jarrett, and this is, like, Russo's part of the legend thing.
1: Yeah, but he barely shows up. It's just Legend beating him up.
0: <laughs> he does a whole impression of Jeff Jarrett this month. He dresses as hey, Jeff Jarrett. Well, you know what? He is the straw that stirs the coffee. He definitely. NWTN Baby number 55, July 23rd, 2003. Legend has a squash match against Alter Boy Luke and Matt Sydal. And if there was ever a point at which I was to get on board with Legend, it is this, uh, he as a big man destroying a couple of small men. And even then... He was boring. He did some shitty F5-looking thing, and I was
1: like, that might be the worst move I've ever seen.
0: Like, uh, of there is no greater format in wrestling than Big Man Squash Little Man. Like, Eric Watts, when he came out to destroy Kid Cash, and he did his two power moves, looked like the best wrestler in the history of TNA. Sorry, I just, everyone, just clip that
1: one. <laughs> Eric Watts, best wrestler in the history of TNA, Garrett Kidney, 2022.
0: My <laughs> legend went out, the Squash, Matt Seidel, and Alderboy Luke. Like... Luke, Alter Boy Luke is Luke Hawks, by the way. Yeah, it just wasn't any good. Yeah, I, I got, I got nothing. I, like I said, I don't care about any of. This. And then, shock of all shocks, Liam, Legend and Jared brawled again.
1: I was shocked. I was more interested in seeing Ultra Boy
0: Luke. Yeah, they were separated by security. The red shirt security came out, and then Jared got into a little brawl with Kevin Northcutt as well over the red shirt security.
1: Yeah, they're starting to pay that off now.
0: They're starting to delineate between the two branches of the security.
1: Oh yeah, one always stops the heels. And one always stops the bases.
0: And then last show of the month, NWA TNA Baby Number Fifty Six, July thirtieth. The main event: Jarrett versus Legend in a guitar and bat on a pole match. Is this our first pole match?
1: I'm um, no. I'm sure there was one. Other- no, there was another one, wasn't there? With wasn't there one with Flair and Perfect? Oh,
0: accent. Yeah, there was an accident on a pole match. So this is our second pole match, I believe, in TNA history. Yeah. And, yeah, that accident on a pole match was the last match of Kurt Angle's career. <laughs>
1: And this was the last match of Legends.
0: Jared beat him. The match had decent heat, I'll give him that.
1: This match stunk.
0: <laughs> I was just, I was so bored. I had no interest in it. I was just like, I'm I'm tuned out of these two men interacting with each other.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, I originally had this down as a dud. Mm. And then I gave it one and a quarter stars for the post-match angle.
0: Yeah, so uh, a thing that happened this month, we'll talk about Elix Skipper separately in the exhibition section. But uh, to, to go into the theme of this is a bit of a reboot month, Triple X have gone their separate ways. They didn't have a breakup. They didn't have any angle. They've just, they're just singles wrestlers now.
1: I thought this was really smart because it made the, th- like well, the two of them, I guess, because Key's out. But it made both Skipper and Daniels coming in as singles wrestlers feel like
0: big deals, like ready-made guys. And like to their credit, they gave them both a bunch of vignettes. Daniels had vignettes airing on every single one of these shows up until the the angle here where he comes out and he attacks Jeff Jarrett. So like they they gave both of them like attention and tried to get them over. And most
1: importantly, they had Daniels do like the scared squirrel uh, face every at the end of every promo, and it made me laugh every time. <laughs> the what? Yeah, you know, like that old YouTube meme. No, <laughs> where it's like the, the. Oh, I gotta, I gotta find it now. <laughs> uh, and this is what all of Daniel's promos ended with. And he even did it in the final beatdown on the ramp, and it made me cackle.
0: Oh yeah, that yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's what he does at the end of all of his vignettes. Here, I
0: will throw the link to Dramatic Squirrel in the show notes after the, the main event segment here if you would like to know what Liam thinks this looks like. There you go.
1: I'm going to give... Daniel's
0: doing it so that I can compare the two. <laughs> he does do that at the end of every single promo, where he dramatically looks back at the camera. And, like, he's doing the... He's still doing, like, the sports <laughs> entertainment thing. He's just like, professional wrestling has failed you and I need to show you the way. I need to guide you through the ways of sports entertainment. It's interesting that they kept that aspect for this character. Mm, and, and abandoned it for Skipper. And, frankly, everybody else. Like, like... Russo's not doing this anymore, Disco's not doing this anymore, it's only Daniels. They gave an explanation why Russo isn't. Which was. Which was nice
1: of them. That he he can't institute sports entertainment extreme or get his values across while that damn Jeff Jarrett's running around.
0: Oh yeah, because we should mention he did do an interview on the show with Mike Denae, which I thought was extremely boring.
1: I thought it was a little decent one. Didn't care one way or the other.
0: There you go. So, yes, after this match, after Jarrett defeats legend, Christopher Daniels returns to TNA. And what actually I thought was a nice little touch, where the last vignette of Daniels aired on the show where they said that he's returning next week. So it was like a big swerve, it was a big surprise when he actually showed up in the main event to take out Jarrett. And he looked fucking great,
1: but I'm. I don't like. They debut him at such a high level, I'm like, but he doesn't, like, win anything.
0: <laughs> like, I have no faith in them. To push this. And we did just get an entire month of Legend against Jarrett. So desensitized to anything Jarrett is doing.
1: Yeah, like it's not going to make Daniels look great. <laughs> Even if he does win, he's oh, already he beat the guy that Legend beat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is all of the Jarrett and Legend stuff. Uh, a stellar month of content. Forever. <laughs> Let us move over to Shane Douglas feuding with Raven. So Shane Douglas rules. Yeah, I liked a lot of the stuff they did this month. I thought this Shane Douglas Raven feud is like a really nice little mid-card feud. Or upper mid-card, really.
1: Yeah, I, I, I also think that Shane Douglas fucking knocked everything he did out of the park. Every, like, little angle, every little promo. Like, this dude, like... And he also comes across as genuinely unhinged. Mm.
0: It's actually funny, there's there's a note in PW Torch this month that they've given up on the idea of Shane Douglas being a main event guy because they didn't think he was good enough. And like, what show are you watching? That like, legend is a guy you're pushing the hell out of. And franchise who's having good matches with everybody every week is the guy you're like, nah, he can't do it.
1: And because like, I guess at a certain base level, the idea of Shane Douglas and, and uh, James Mitchell is kind of like a weird image. Mm. But like... When you see them together and Douglas cutting these fucking deranged promos, you're like, oh yeah, this
0: guy's insane. He's good. And a good foil for Raven as a babyface. And just a little
1: off-topic thing for a second, isn't it weird having James Mitchell and Abyss on the same show, but them
0: not interacting? Yeah. Like, it feels, it fe- it feels weird, huh? And it's, it's, it's another 18 months until they're together, Liam, so it's gonna feel weird for a while. Ah, it's just it's, it's so odd to see them like both around, but them not connected. Though uh, Mitchell does go off TV for a while after the New Jersey stuff is done before they come up with the aha moment to put up with Abyss. Hmm. So nw 18 Baby Number 52 opens with Shane Douglas demanding that Raven face him in a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, but Raven's not there. So CM Punk comes in and faces him instead.
1: Yeah, it was cool. It's a cool little match.
0: I feel like it's a cool little match. Is like the description of all of Shane Douglas's matches this month.
1: Yeah, but to be fair, Cool Little matches is, like, top 10% of <laughs> NWTNA matches. And
0: especially in this month of July. It's like, oh, yeah, Cool Little Match is a lot better than another segment where Jarrett and Legend just brawl with each other.
1: Yeah. Well, the fact that, like, an AMW Simon Diamond-Johnny Swinger feud is, like, the best in-ring feud of the month. Mm.
0: So, yeah, Douglas defeats CM Punk, and then James Mitchell comes out and throws a fireball in Punk's face. That's a reoccurring theme this month.
1: Yeah, I, I like, um... I'll wait for it. It's a little later on with the, the interview that Mitchell, uh, Mitchell does about it. But I Mitchell, Mitchell, I thought, was really great this month.
0: Yeah, he was, like, like really, really, really good. I thought he was top-notch. TNA baby number 53, we get a Douglas against Julio De Niro match this month. Again, fun little match.
1: Yeah, Julio has been um, a joy on these shows, I feel.
0: Yeah, he's, like, just a good mid-card wrestler in a show that, again, maybe not always has good mid-card wrestlers. Or good wrestlers. On this show, the the fireball that James Mitchell threw at Mickey James, <laughs> yeah, looked amazing. Yeah,
1: and what a, she what a god Mickey James man, mm-hmm. just the
0: best. Because yeah, it, it, Douglas defeats Julio, and then uh, James Mitchell throws the fireball at Mickey James, and Mickey James whips her hair back to sell the fireball, but the fireball kind of get, get gets caught in her hair and whips back with her hair in a way that looked absolutely terrifying and probably was horrifying for her in the moment, but looked amazing on television. Yeah. Uh, she's trim- she's so good. This whole feud have been, like, been pretty great, but
1: I feel like her this month was fantastic as well. Like, in that final match, mm-hmm. and in that um, even little touch I liked was later on when Punk flakes out. She just comes in and goes, I'll be the third. And it's like, yes, you will! Even though... That's against the rules (laughs) that are newly
0: established, (laughs) but that's fucking dope. And she was so good in it. And it's not like she has to be lured into it. She's like, I'm going into a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match against Shane Douglas, Slash, and Brian Lee, and I'm going to go kick ass.
1: The best thing, too, is like, it's not like Raven or Julio are like, whoa, you know, but it's like, yeah, let's go fucking do this shit. It's great. They're a great little, um, I thought The Gathering really came into their own this month. Mm
0: as an act. On that July ninth show you did have the Mike Tanae sit down interview with James Mitchell.
1: Yeah, um so this is the one where he talks about the the one exploding in his hand and, and uh Raven uh not knowing real loss. And I thought God it, like I thought that was so good because he's like he he brings up like the
0: WCW Rich Guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that's always been the Raven character. Go back to the WWF; he was Johnny Polo, he was the rich guy. Then his his WCW character was he was still the rich guy. He still had like the rich family, but he was like the entitled emo who thought the world was against him. Even though he's like, as James Mitchell mentions in this promo, he's the son of a wealthy publisher. It's like the world gave you everything you ever wanted, dude, and you were like, oh, whoa, was me? What about me? What about Raven? Whereas like Mitchell here is like, I know loss. I nearly burned myself to death with a fireball that backfired, and, like burned my torso and a half. I, I had to scratch and claw for everything I've ever gotten. My family left me because of it. Yeah. That. My favorite part of it was when he was like, I see you sitting there with your shitty ass pentagrams. You don't know cult shit. He p- he's pissed off that he stole demon valor. <laughs> he's appropriating freaking demonic culture. <laughs> Mitchell is like, I will not tolerate this.
1: Yeah, I also like that in a weird way, he, he both buries it and then he goes, you don't know what dark forces you're messing with. So he's like, "Like, oh, it was shit,
0: but you got fucking close. Mm, you <laughs> could have summoned some kind of demon.
1: Yeah,
0: the demon Abyss. Or the demon, the kiss demon. Wow, What? wait, wait,
1: okay, yeah. What if the law here is that Raven fucking around
0: with a shitty pentagram is what brought Abyss out? This is a canon, officially. I'm, I'm making it official <laughs> TNA canon. That of doing his shitty ass pentagrams with the gathering sitting in a, the frickin' on the floor of a bathroom in the asylum is what accidentally summoned Abyss to TNA and then Kid Cash just found him.
1: That actually makes like a stupid amount of sense. The timeline does match up, Liam. <laughs> and because like Cash didn't like bring him in purposefully, Abyss did that attack out of nowhere and then Kit Cash is like, I have an opportunity to take this guy.
0: It's also the reason Abyss just lives in the asylum, because he was, like, formed here. He was birthed here. (laughs) This makes so much sense. So this is is the deep lore of TNA.
1: I'm reeling at this. (laughs) This is why the video game guys shouldn't have been such shits could have made the abyss game
0: so NWATNA baby number 54 we have a segment where amw and gilberti and swinger are doing things we'll talk about that when we get to the tag division uh but raven makes the save and then he is attacked by douglas and mitchell before he's laid out by the returning slash and brian lee so the full new church is back at its full power so despite raven returning he still gets his ass kicked
1: this segment was the one where i literally said out loud to myself thank god they turned raven
0: face i know he's like the best baby face on the show even better than D'Lo.
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. This and this segment really put it over too. Again, like I just feel like this is the month the gathering all clicked. Even in ring, I thought they were so smooth together. Uh, especially like in these last couple ma- big matches. I'll, yeah, I, I I I got the impression from this last month that like when Raven is like your guy, you just vibe with him so quickly and so easily. Mm. And when he's not, you probably don't. <laughs> but. Like, yeah, because, like, just watching him with Julia, watching him, Julio, uh, watching him with, uh, J- Mickey, like, they, I just really thought they, they just, they clicked, and obviously him and Punk have all the history too, so they was good together as well, but it's like, yeah, I really thought the gathering started kicking ass this month.
0: And yeah, I, I love the last line of the segment uh, as Mitchell Douglas and the new church lay out Raven, and Mitchell stands over Raven and he's like, "I won't go to hell. I brought hell to you." And it's like, ah, ah, it's good stuff. It's one of those lines
1: where you you see it coming a mile away, but you don't care, do
0: you? I also Raven threw a super kick in the segment, and Brian Lee completely missed.
1: Yeah. But who cares?
0: <laughs> Total fresh air. But other than that, yeah, this segment rocked. And I love the way they sold the Fireball. Like, Raven was throw A Fireball was thrown in Raven's race on the last show of June. And he didn't return until July 16th. Like, Julio and Alexis both missed about two or three weeks each for Fireballs. Punk missed about three weeks for Fireballs. It's like, they, they made the Fireball feel meaningful as well. So it wasn't just like, we're throwing Fireballs here and then everyone's back the next week.
1: Yeah. Like, this storyline might be the best of the month except maybe one other, with a certain Eric. Bischoff? From WCW.
0: So, July 23rd, per view number 55, we have a six-man tag team match in which Shane Douglas, Slash, and Brian Lee faced the gathering team of CM Punk, Julio De Niro, and Raven in a match that I thought kind of rocked.
1: Yeah, this, this match rocked.
0: Like... I was I gave it three and a quarter and I was thinking of like should it be like three five or maybe three seven five because like this match was where like the, the crowd were going nuts the crowd were super heated there was a ton of energy like CM Punk just like being a baby face just doing like head and arm suplexes on Slash like he's freaking hook <laughs> hook like CM Punk is the hook of NWATNA
1: <laughs> I mean yeah we're both giant stars huh?
0: yeah they just kick ass the match just kicks ass
1: yeah I mean it helps I guess that it's six people who are all just going out there and going full blast, but yeah, it rules. And so does the other one that they do the next week.
0: Yeah, so the the finish of this match, Raven brawls with I think it's Slash, toward the sex locker room. Before there's a curtain behind that area.
1: <laughs> I like that that locker room now
0: is just the mysterious shit happens over here now. So yeah, Raven's brawling over there, and suddenly a hand emerges from a curtain and grabs Raven by the hair and pulls him behind the curtain, and he disappears for a few minutes and then he emerges bloodied and battered, and eventually he's beaten because of it. And it's just like, a large hand! Nothing- Well, you kind of see the body behind it, because the curtain opens too far. But you just see a large hand <laughs> emerge, grab Raven by the hair, and just pull him away.
1: Yeah, it's kind of sick. Is this the same show where then Raven cuts the promo at the end of the night? Yeah,
0: he goes to interrupt Mike Teney and uh, to Don West running down the car to announce that they're going to do a, a six-man tag Clockwork Orange match next week.
1: Yeah, and he has the blood all over his face. Mm-hmm just yeah good angle after good angle after good angle for this thing yeah it's a
0: good feud uh, if you were wondering it was one of the harris bros that played the mystery man even though it will not be revealed as a harris bro eventually
1: i have no clue who this is gonna be
0: i forgot until i racked my brain and i remembered who it was and uh, yeah it's pretty cool okay i'm excited you know who my thought was go on
1: judas macias <laughs>
0: oh no, it's not <laughs> but i wish it was <laughs> and then final show of the month, n w t and Paper number fifty six, Raven and the Gathering of Julio De Niro and as mentioned, Alexis Ree because they do a pre tape earlier in the show. Actually, no, they're all live these days, so it's just a backstage segment. A backstage segment earlier in the show where where they're like punk flaked on us, but then as mentioned, uh, Alexis steps up, Mickey James steps up to face Shane Douglas and the New Church in a six man tag team or six person tag team. A Clockwork Orange House of Fun match.
1: Was this A storyline, or was this punk missing a date and then they turned it into a storyline, or was this...
0: Just him missing a day. I have no idea. There was no note about it. I didn't see any, any mention of why Punk wasn't here. There was mention about Brian Lee potentially missing the match. Uh, a note about Brian Lee from this one. Brian Lee's days with TNA appear to be numbered. Lee's past struggles with substance abuse are well known within the industry, yet TNA officials started booking him last year after hearing reports from his friends that he was no longer using and to become religious. After having a successful run with Slashes, the new church tag team, Lee abruptly disappeared from TNA for several weeks before undisclosed reasons. Lee was brought back two weeks ago to reform his tag team with Slash as part of the Raven versus James Mitchell storyline he was said to be good business on the night of his return however he showed up at the building for this match for his appearance and his co-workers immediately noticed that he dropped an extreme amount of weight since the week before lee collected his check for the previous for the previous weeks and left the building which is the thing he regularly does regularly does because he likes to deposit it at the bank very efficient after several hours had passed and lee hadn't returned to the building tna officials became concerned that he was not going to come back lee resurfaced at the building after the show had started and was deemed fit to wrestle he was allowed to work a scheduled match which like watching the match he wouldn't notice there was anything wrong with brian lee but that was a cause for concern. And I don't think he's used again ever after this. He won't be here in uh, August. They replace him in the new church.
1: Shame that this is the end of his kind of run. Him and Slash were legitimately a
0: highlight of some of the earlier shows. Yeah, they're a
1: great team. They're just a great team. Yeah, I think a really good tag team, really underrated tag team. Because, like, you know, how many people are really going, like, oh, yeah, new church? That What a team that
0: was. But. Legitimately, Like, those two kind of rock together. And even here, when they emerge to do these two six-person tags, Pop, both of them rock! Both of them are really good!
1: Yeah, and I was happy to see him again.
0: So yeah, the finish of this New Church and Douglas against gathering matches, Raven is dragged under the ring by unseen forces, and then he emerges again bloody beaten and battered before he's pinned, setting up that there is another person on the side of Douglas and the New Church here who could it possibly be...
1: I have literally zero clue.
0: Yeah, again, on, on a month where a lot of what happened on these shows was pretty flat, it was nice to have this one story run through the month where pretty much everything that happened on it was really good. I know what you mean by one story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, yeah this 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 Raven and Shane Douglas angle it's going well.
1: Yeah, but like as you said, obviously this was the highlight I think of the month. Mm. Everything here kind of rocked those two great six man tags at the end of the month. Um, yeah, just all in all really enjoyable stuff. And it's, um, you know, when you're getting stuff that's like
0: at that, uh, that three, three star mark, you're like, wowzers <laughs> really delivering hard here overachieving let's move over to the hard 10 final in which sandman defeated new jack to win the hard 10 in a <laughs> i
1: forgot that this was the first thing in this feud
0: there's so much stuff that happens like th- this is our like, like pivot off in like four different directions story of the month so like we will go from sandman new jack to new jack against the harris bros with shark boy to shark boy team with norman smiley to sandman feuding with don Callis. so that th- these are the directions we're going to splinter in now
1: <laughs> we're just gonna try and hit as much of it in a row as we can.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Sandman defeated Jack to win the hard 10 in a pretty good match where the finish was absolutely wild.
1: Jack, as he is one to do, <laughs> was thrown off a balcony, but did like this weird side rotation and landed directly on his face. Yep. And looked insane. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing I had seen from the hard 10. This is the one thing I knew going in was like, I knew this bump, because I think everyone's probably seen this bump at some point. It's one of the craziest
0: things you'll ever see. He takes a face-first bump off a balcony through two tables. It is absolutely monstrous. The man could have died. He looks like he did die. (laughs) Yeah, there's a note. New Jack caught his jaw on the side of the table while taking the balcony bump during his match with Sandman. Once New Jack returned backstage, he fell to the ground and was said to basically be out of it for the next 15 minutes. DNA officials called an ambulance to the building, but Jack refused to go to hospital for treatment. The paramedic tried to repeatedly get New Jack to go to the hospital, but he was up and around within half an hour of taking the bump and didn't go to hospital. Fair enough. Awesome. <laughs> that is a very New Jack thing to do. <laughs> I, I,
1: I, the coolest guy of all time.
0: So before we go on to the Sandman stuff, let's pivot back to earlier in the show where Shark Boy faced Mike Sanders in Sanders' final match in TNA.
1: This is the end of an era.
0: This is continuing the storyline where, for some reason, people just repeatedly want to get Sharkboy's mask, even though sex are done and gone.
1: Uh, Sharkboy is um, the center of two stories that are just, people want something from Sharkboy. Mm. And it's like, people just randomly want Sharkboy's mask. And then later on, everyone just wants to be Sharkboy's friend.
0: Wouldn't you want to be Sharkboy's friend, though?
1: Like, the most likable guy in pro wrestling, apparently.
0: So Sharkboy beats Sanders. Harris Bros attack Sharkboy after the mask. They try to hit him with an H Bob. Sharkboy escapes!
1: And obviously doesn't have New Jack
0: to help him out on this one because New Jack's busy. Yeah, he's in the Hard 10 final and busy falling off balconies. Yeah. So that brings us send to TNA paper number 53 in which Don Harris fakes... Well, should we do the, the goodbye to Mike Sanders here? Oh, I suppose we should. We should mention that this is the end of Mike Sanders. Mike Sanders has been told that he won't be booked on TNA shows for the future. Sanders has been never a favourite of Jeff Jarrett, but the word is that Vince Russo has been trying to talk Jarrett into using Sanders again. Mike doesn't do himself any favours, said one wrestler who noted locker room he Sanders had developed was because of his often brash personality.
1: Um, I mean... <laughs> What, what What is there
0: to say about Mike Sanders that has not been
1: said before?
0: Yeah, we've done it. He was good for a while, had that, like, shockingly good match against AJ Styles, and then for some reason they then turned him into a cartoon goof.
1: Singlet-era Mike Sanders, underrated.
0: Mm, the a weird shirt and basketball shorts-era Mike Sanders, less so.
1: He truly was above average.
0: <laughs> Mike Sanders was interviewed by No Holds Barrett Radio, and he said he has not heard from the TNA office in over three weeks, meaning he is not expected back anytime soon, and it turns out, <laughs> ever again.
1: Thank you, No Holds Bard Radio, for giving us all the scoops.
0: <laughs> Getting all these interviews, baby. We should start doing
1: interviews of two thousand and three <laughs> and the A guys.
0: Just Eric Watts every week? Oh
1: don't don't <laughs> Don't say something you don't want me to deliver
0: on. Don Harris defeated Boy on NWATNA favorite paper number 53, where they...
1: We might have a connect to Eric Watts, by the way.
0: <laughs> What's our connect to Eric Watts?
1: I was listening to a certain flagship uh, podcast the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And a certain uh, Great had a connect to the old... Uh, what was their team name? Team 2000? Team 3000? Whatever the fuck it was? I don't know. Eric Watts' t- uh, WF team?
0: I don't know. Do you think I've watched Eric Watts' WWF run?
1: Well, whatever his, like, tag team was... His tag partner has a connection to Rich <laughs> through a connection. So we have like a fifth degree connection to Eric Watts. We could get him.
0: <laughs> For the third time, Don Harris and Shark Boy. And then Eric Watts, right? Okay, so we. <laughs> Don won, tried to unmask Shark Boy, but Shark Boy, clever as he is, had a second Shark Boy mask on underneath, so he escaped without being unmasked once again.
1: I actually disagree. Mm hmm. I don't think he had a second mask. I think that was Boy's face.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Why is he wearing a mask, though?
1: Yep. So, I think we did see Shark Boy's uh, unmasked face
0: today. But why is he wearing a mask on top of his face that looks exactly like his face? It's to hide his identity. But it looks exactly like his face. And? <laughs> That's not very good at hiding your identity. Why does
1: Sting wear a, a mask over his face paint? Because it's stupid. The element of surprise, Garrett. He's-
0: Suggesting that Sting and Shark are on the same level Yes Good
1: Both uh, mascots of TNA mm. Both aces of TNA
0: so NWA baby number fifty four. The Harris Bros face Shark Boy and New Jack. We go backstage where Shark Boy wants New Jack to wear a Shark Boy mask. New Jack reluctantly agrees. It's very wholesome. And
1: then he keeps looking through the, the holes and lifting it up because he can't see the giant gaping holes in the mask. Uh,
0: it's very funny that like the Shark Boy mask is too small for New Jack's head, so it's stretched across his head.
1: Yeah, it's good shit.
0: So then the Harris Bros face Shark Boy and New Jack. They win they they grab shark boy they pull his mask off it's disgusting behavior they mm-hmm. finally got the mask and he had another one under and and honestly the most like wholesome moment new jack takes the shark boy mask off gives it to shark boy shark boy reemerges with his hulk hands and then beats the shit out of the harris bros
1: i can't believe new jack was pissy about this angle it's so great
0: yeah apparently new jack didn't want to do it he's like he felt above doing stuff with 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 shark boy so uh eh. Come on, man. I take it back. You're no longer the coolest guy ever. And this is the end of New Jack until Hardcore Justice 2010. So this is the last of New Jack uh, here I'm... in TNA for seven years. Well,
1: now I'm, I'm sad again.
0: <laughs> so, unfortunately... Li- but listen, the angle to go out on where Sharkboy's unmasked and New Jack gives him his mask is actually very heartwarming. It's like, oh.
1: Oh, New, New Jack should have returned when they were doing that, like um, that superhero stable. The Prince Justice Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New Jack should have been in it. Oh, just playing himself. But with a Shark Boy mask. He'd be Shark Boy 2. The Shark Boys.
0: Shark Boy 2 Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that moment was legitimately sweet.
1: Yes. Uh, New Jack, shall we talk about his run? He fell off lots of balconies. I think he ruled. I mean, I, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about New Jack's TNA
0: run. Because he was either doing goofy skits with Shark Boy or falling off balconies. And what more do you want from a professional wrestler?
1: Cutting very funny promos.
0: Occasionally, like, legitimately great promos. Yeah. Like that one before the Mike Sanders match where he's just like, I don't know holds, I don't know wrestling moves, I just know whooping your ass. It's like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just uh, a great run. Again, it really does feel like a reboot with all these guys that have been such staples over the last couple months going.
0: Yeah, this is the end of Sanders. It's the end of, of uh, New Jack. A lot of, the, a lot of the, the regulars, they're just gone.
1: Goldie isn't on the, the show much this month. Mm, it's quite unfortunate.
0: The reason they're gone, yeah. Liam, and storyline reasons to pivot back to the Sandman is... The man with the best hair in the game right now. So, Sandman comes out on the July 9th show. Mike Tanae is presenting him with the Hard 10 trophy. Sandman pours beer into the trophies, walking around ringside. He's... Like...
1: Four beers, by the
0: way. Yeah, he just walks around and ringside just pouring beer out of the trophy, down the throat of fans <laughs> in the crowd. Do
1: you think we'll ever get to this way again, the post-COVID society? Lord, No. <laughs> You don't think we'll ever get used to it again? Yeah,
0: it is a little bit of like, I'm watching this and I'm like, that, that's not very hygienic on multiple levels.
1: Yeah, hygiene's overrated.
0: So Sandman walked around ringside, he's about to walk up the ramp when he's jumped by a random large man in a suit.
1: Listen, the quickest way in this world to get me behind a guy is just
0: put a big boy in a suit. And then we hear the voice, Liam, of the debuting <gasps> Don Callis.
1: I, the joy <laughs> I felt in my heart when I heard this.
0: The Invisible Hand. Cyrus himself, Cyrus the Virus, has arrived here in the NWA TNA as a new management consultant and manager of the man who jumped Sandman, Edward Chastain, who was Iceberg from NWA Wildside.
1: I knew this was Iceberg. You know how I knew this was Iceberg? How did you know? Because he just did his Ring of Honor stint, mm. where he got, like, terrible reviews, and, like, it was called The Worst Match in Ring of Honor history. And... It wasn't, by the way. (laughs) Like, it was a perfectly fine squash match, and I don't get why he got so much hate.
0: It's basically what happened here, where he had two matches and was like, nah, shit, we can't bring him back.
1: (laughs) I, I I liked him, man. I like him. I like Iceberg, okay? And I like Don Callis,
0: and he's doing his ECW network shtick, and I love it. So yes, Don Callis is TNA's management consultant. So he is, he is commenting on all the things that is wrong with TNA. As mentioned, he's like the voice of the, the changes to TNA. The, the, he's like, oh, the, the debauchery and hardcore wrestling and the, the naked women brawling with each other. This cannot be what TNA is about. I have to change it. I have to fix it. One
1: thing I didn't get about this character mm-hmm. is, does he have legitimate stroke or is he just the dude pretending? <laughs>
0: No, he does have legitimate power in TNA like as a character in in storyline and that becomes a point of conflict with the other person who is introduced as having legitimate power in TNA which we'll talk about in a
1: moment. Oh god, my my two (laughs) favourites. So one thing I, I love about this is like he comes in here and he's like, oh, no hardcore wrestling, blah, 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 blah. There's like three Clockwork Orange House of Fun matches <laughs> this month.
0: What, what? Why aren't you intervening in that? Well, to be fair, he is. He does suspend Jerry Lynn at one stage. He does fire Just Incredible. He is trying to stamp down on it.
1: Garrett, the last match of, was a Clockwork Orange House of Fun with three people that included a woman. Yeah, but would you want to mess with the demons? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Maybe the...
0: At least give me a segment where James Mitchell is paying him off or something. Come on. You know what happened? He saw the segment where they threw the fireball at Mickey James, saw how her hair caught fire, <laughs> and he's like, I don't want my hair to catch fire. Yeah. It's too luscious. So I'm, I'll stay away from them.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Don well, Donkast without hair, I just couldn't imagine it.
0: So, NBA TNA paper number fifty-four. Edward Chastain, has a squash match against Norman Smiley. Before which, Don Callis cuts his promo about talking about his his management consultant uh, approach. He has he has an MBA. You see Liam. It's Don Callis' MBA.
1: He's he's so good. He's like because he's like such a scumbag, mm-hmm. and he plays it so well. Very very I, very, very well. And especially I th- I think my favorite maybe my favorite segment of the whole month. Was his sit
0: down with Mike Taney? Yeah, last show of the month he has a sit down with Mike Taney where he's talking all about his like management approach and like my favorite thing. It's such a small touch, but he refers to fans as customers and like just the yeah. little touch of a wrestling authority figure heel being like, "Oh, the customers, yes, yeah, yeah."
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's such good heat, and his ethos of like, listen, like. I've crunched the numbers, I know what actually, like, these fans, they think they want one thing, but I see how it's represented in the numbers. And that's different, which is, like, a legitimate thing that happens. Like, sometimes the things that get over in the building are not the things that are over in the ratings. Mm. So it's like, that's an interesting point to bring up.
0: I always think that's a disconnect between booking and crowds, though, as opposed to a disconnect between crowds and crowds, you know, it's not like the people in the buildings are different from the people on TV I just think the people booking the show have not necessarily correctly capitalised on what the people in the buildings are seeing
1: but I also think some acts are inherently more well suited to a live audience mm. because like some acts are more showy and like for the people in the crowd, you know and then some are like, translate well to television audiences who aren't there feeling it in the moment like um, the Adam Rose stuff, that was something that was like, firmly over for crowds because crowds got to be especially that small crowd uh, in NXT like they was like that was all a part of like you got to be there and experience and be a part of it as opposed to watch this guy on TV come out with a bunny not the good bunny either they should have had Don Callis do the downsizing for that character
0: so uh, Chastain defeated Norman Smiley in a squash match so yeah the today interview took place on and APA review number 55 where he sat down with Don talked about the uh, the customers don't know what they want he was basically doing Nick Khan before he he saw Nick Khan mm. I, I did quite I did love his line about like sorry we <laughs> read to say the same thing I think <laughs> about the knowing business but not wrestling
1: yeah yeah he he does the Tony Khan line then. He's like, I know business and wrestling.
0: Yeah, when Tony Khan was being mean to, to Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff got very mad. He's like, Ted Turner knew business, but not wrestling. Whereas I know both. And that's, that's exactly what Don Callis was on about here. He's like, there has been two kinds yeah. of executives in the history of wrestling. People who know wrestling, but not business. And people who know business, but not wrestling. And Don is like, I am the person who knows both. Yeah. Good shit. So clearly, Tony Khan had watched this this 2003 NWA A angle with Don Callis. He was
1: probably fucking at the shot.
0: <laughs> and then last show of the month, Sandman faces Edward Chastain. Sandman wins. The the only notable thing about this match was Chastain did a a cannonball off the open to the floor, and <laughs> the thud it made when he hit the floor was like, good lord. I
1: I just I wouldn't given up on this guy. I don't know, man. I would have been. I would have done something. I liked. I liked Chastain. He had two two star matches, but sure, I liked him.
0: We learn on commentary because Don is on commentary for this match. We learn that Jerry Lynn has been suspended, New Jack has been fired, and Goldie. He just mentions offhand.
1: Well, because like they already mentioned that though at this point on screen, but like they never mentioned it before that, so it was confusing.
0: Yeah, and a fun, like, backstage, like, art-imitating life moment, is like, Sandman drove from his home in Philadelphia to Baltimore, where he flies out of for TNA shows. After making the long drive, Sandman found out that TNA had not booked an airline ticket for him, because he was not booked on the show. No word as to whether there was miscommunication between Sandman and the office, or if he just assumed he was going to be booked for the show. So I like, like, during the thing in which there's an angle where management consultant Don Callis is trying to fire Sandman and get rid of hardcore wrestling and eliminate all of these this debauchery, there is a legitimate moment of mis- Communication where Sandman is actually not booked on a show. <laughs> they should
1: have played that up. They should have had a uh, JB cover that needs fucking rag sheet.
0: <laughs> the column on the website where he reveals all the scoops.
1: Yeah, he should have been like, "Hey, <laughs> just so you know, Sandman was trying to get here but didn't get a ticket."
0: And Don was on commentary, which I quite enjoyed because he was like, you know, Don West. Two Don's here. That's a little brand confusion. Please change your name.
1: (laughs) Don's like I've had it longer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm older than you. You change your name.
1: (laughs) Uh, And and, yeah, it's it's fun to be like in this 2022 world now, where it's like Don carl has been a you know major part of wrestling, but also like a commentator in a bunch of giant matches.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and a commentator for Impact and an actual behind the scenes executive for Impact. So it's fun that the character he's playing here is basically the person he would become in the company like 15 years later. Yeah. Again, art imitating life or life imitating art in this instance. Yeah, good stuff with Don Callis. Enjoyable character on the show.
1: 100%.
0: And then to pivot back to Shark Boy for a moment, Shark Boy is very depressed that his pal New Jack has been fired. <laughs> sure is. But he's got Norman Smiley as his new friend. And Athena. Athena's there too. Yeah. Norman walks up to him and he's like, Hey, you sad, buddy? We can play a board game and he shows him all the board games and he's he's still not happy. Then he's like, whole cans? And the shark boy doesn't even perk up for the whole cans, which you know something's wrong when he's shark boy's not excited for the whole cans. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, the big wiggle? And then Sharky's like, oh. Shark
1: boy's like, wait a minute. You didn't, you didn't mention a big wiggle.
0: <laughs> and then Norman does the big wiggle, and Shark boy's all like, perked up and happy again, and Shark boy's back.
1: My favorite uh, nod in this is that at some point Athena, like, tries to grind up on Norman <laughs> Smiley. And Norman
0: Smiley's like, what the No. <laughs> I'm trying to do the big wiggle here. And I, I have established. I have a wife in this company. Yeah, I'm a wife guy, Athena. She was once choked on television.
1: There was a, there was a moment where she was literally grinding that ass up on <laughs> Norman Spiley, and he looked like,
0: shoot, pissed about it. No, my wife is going to be mad at me. <laughs> She's going to think I pitched this alright Liam Eric Watts it's Watts time
1: yo let's go so we're gonna start with the Abyss match
0: <laughs> yes NW18A Baby number 52 July 2nd Eric Watts face the monster Abyss who is officially named Abyss now backstage Kid Cash is talking to him he's like I'm gonna call you Abyss <laughs> it's like yeah sure So then Eric Watts shows up, brawls with Abyss, which leads to Abyss defeating Eric Watts.
1: In a pretty okay match. Yeah, it was
0: a cool-ass power move match where, like, they were doing, like, top row power bombs and shit.
1: Yeah, and Watts can take that damn uh, Black Hole Sam like nobody else.
0: Well, maybe not nobody else, but he takes it quite well.
1: Like nobody else. Nobody
0: in the history of professional wrestling has ever... Ever, ever taken a Black Hole Slam better than Eric Watts. I said that no one takes it like Eric Watts. That's true. That might suggest he takes it badly.
1: <laughs> I, I suggest it, he takes it in an Eric Watts-like
0: manner. Please describe this Eric Watts-like manner.
1: Chaotically. <laughs> Half landing on like his hip, flicking around all willy-nilly. Just, It's a crazy way that he takes the move.
0: Yeah, they have a nice little match here. I thought it was fine.
1: Yeah, it was a good match. It might be Eric Watts' best in-ring match.
0: It's better than the Kid Cash match, so yes.
1: Obviously, we talked about this on the the Along, Abyss. This is a tremendous look, a tremendous character. Very excited to watch him in TNA. I'm so much looking forward to this.
0: So NWA TNA baby, number 53. It was meant to be Jerry Lynn and Eric Watts against Kid Cash and Abyss, but Eric Watts had a staff infection in his leg and had to miss the show, so it ended up just being Cash against Lynn
1: which is fine.
0: Uh, Cash won after Just Incredible ran out, hit Jerry Lynn with a kendo stick to set up to her last. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yes, Cash defeated Lynn. We move on. <laughs> the match was fine. It was a match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like it.
0: Andrea TNA pay-per-view number 54 backstage. Eric Watts teases Eric from WCW again.
1: <gasps> Eric from WCW is going to be
0: here, Garrett. Which is a tease that has been going on now for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So this is also where we get the Goldie line about her being
1: fired. Oh, yeah, and she's gone forever. She's on the screen, and she's like, hey, if you got all this sway, can you, like, get me my job back? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, sh- uh, t- shut up. <laughs> like, don't, we'll, we'll talk about that later. And he's like, don't get your panties in a twist. And then Goldie just is gross. Mm. <laughs> and she's like, you know I don't wear any. And I'm like, when did this part of Goldie's character come up? And then he's like, ha I know I don't. And then he like, ma- max on her, and
0: yeah. So, like... She's been fired. She's like, Watts, you're like in charge now. Give me my job back. And he's like, no. No,
1: because no, at this point, he's not in charge. He just is still teasing that Eric from WCW is coming in. Mm. She's just like, you have all this pull with the new management because there's, he says that he knows who the new management is. And she's like, can you give me my job back? And he's like, "Yeah."
0: Just distracts. Maybe. Also on the show, there's an interview with Kid Cash and this. Mike Tanae sits down with both of them. And my favorite part of this <laughs> is Abyss is just wandering behind them. Mike is just trying to do a regular interview with, with Kid Cash and Abyss is yeah, just in- fucking with shit he's just like messing with the stage and like sniffing things and just bashing on the stage yeah it's cause he- he's not used to this
1: new environment he was only summoned here like two months ago
0: cause yeah Mike Dine does all of his interviews like sitting at the top of the ramp in an-, an empty arena setting and yeah it's great just Abyss just wandering around and like he just bashes the metal stage and Mike is like keep your man under control
1: we'll talk about it here too because this is the cash stuff
0: once again Garrett, we have
1: a month where something I hated has turned into something I loved,
0: because I love this new Kid Cash character. Yeah, once he's just like a disrespectful jerk that doesn't beat women, it's actually a good character. Yeah, even though he does a little little women
1: beating in this in this month, mm. just a tiny bit, just a little bit. But uh, yeah, he's he's such a great shit heel.
0: Like, he's tremendous. He's, like, he's just such an asshole. Like, he's so great at just being a disrespectful, smug prick. And you want to see him, like, get his, the shit kicked out of him. And now that he's not, like, as mentioned, he's He's on. he has a tiny bit of women beating with Sarah Lee. We'll get into that in a second. But once he's he's not, like, just gross on a visceral, like, off-putting level, he's a great heel. Yeah, 100%. It's good stuff. And Abyss, sniffing things and bashing things. I'm very much a fan of
1: and then trying to murder Mike Tenet.
0: Yeah, and Mike Tanay making a real good Mike Tanay face after it happens.
1: Yeah, it's one of the best Mike Tenet. He, if that man can hit his high spot. He can make the Mike
0: Tanay face. It's so good. That's the lollipop ass shake of <laughs> Mike Tenet. Is that snarl? So, we get more Mike Tenay content. NWA Tanae, pay number 55. Mike Tenay is standing in the ring with a number of legends. He has Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, Sarah Lee, Harley Race, Ooh. Larry Zabisco making his return, and Corsica Jones. Mike Tenay, by the way, introducing all of these men is in his element. And women. Sarah Lee's there too. Uh, he's just like, full gusto. He's like, one half of the Rock and Roll Express. He's like, ah, this is the best moment of my life introducing all these cool wrestlers. Yeah.
1: Uh, this, what a segment this was.
0: So, before, when Mike Tonight just finishes introducing everybody, Kid Cash's music hits, he comes out, he's doing his utterly disrespectful routine, he's being very mean to all the legends and says they're all lame and bad. Okay,
1: this, well, my favourite part of this segment is he's burying everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Gets the Corsica Jones, okay? Says some horrific stuff about like him having Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but is kind of immediately proven right? When he's pointing at the guy to prove his point, and he goes to shake his hand.
0: (laughs) He's just not listening. (laughs) And
1: and you're like, ah, come on. (laughs) And it was right as he's saying, like, you don't even understand what I'm saying. And he's like, come on, shake his hand. I'm like, oh, you need to put it over the gimmick right now.
0: (laughs) Because I believe Corsica Jones is 82 here, so. Yeah. Not a young man. Jessica
1: Jones just looks looks like my my pop. <laughs> he looks
0: like everybody's pop. He's like the the most granddad looking man you'll ever see in your life.
1: Um, um yeah. It's uh, a second what to say. And then of course the biggest baby face in the goddamn company.
0: Mike Tenay. Yeah, he's already in the ring. We talked about it. No, come on, <laughs> Eric Watts
1: comes out dressed to the nines. You gotta say
0: he's not wearing a tie.
1: Yeah, because he's, he's he's a cash boss. Come on. <laughs> He's Biz Cash, as he is one to do. Drops Kid Cash with his big moves.
0: Hits him with a giant there. And
1: reveals... He is Eric from
0: WCW. What? <gasps> I like the way... They don't even mention the Eric from WCW thing, either. They're just like, I'm director of authority. He's not like, oh, the Eric from WCW person I've been talking about for, like, two months is me. He's just like, no, I'm director of authority now.
1: Do you... Okay, sorry, I have lots of things to say about Eric, what's his director of authority, but first I want to say, do you think they, like, thought they were going to get Bischoff? <laughs>
0: No, as mentioned, I, I I think they were trying to get Bill Watts. Oh, uh, Eric. I, I have no idea what the Eric <laughs> thing was meant to play into there, but uh, like the, the person they wanted was Bill Watts, and they couldn't get him. So they're like, just Eric. And they got a better Watts. Eric is in charge now. Sure, why not? So, I love this, because they put the most chaotic energy in the world in charge. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you look at what Eric Watts has done, and is like... Four months in TNA so far. He has been like deranged and crazy and stupid and sleeping with the backstage interviewer and and trying to attack Jeff Jarrett and then trying to be friends with Jeff Jarrett and then trying to attack Dusty Rhodes and then trying to be friends with Dusty Rhodes and trying to steal the NWA title and then just give the NWA title back. He's completely
1: off kilter. This guy is insane. This guy is a pure chaos, all right? And they put him in charge and they were immediately... (laughs) immediately regretting this decision because all of the things he has done have been completely chaotic nutball bullshit (laughs) making Frankie the special ref making a ladder match in the most rambly incoherent promo I have heard in a long time this man is off the wall he is pure chaos and I love it I am so happy he's in this position of power
0: and then you get the the two sides of it, Liam. You get Don Callis, management consultant, who is smooth, suave, well-spoken, well-dressed, and then you get Eric Watts, who is unhinged at all times.
1: <laughs> Making steel cage matches when trying to get rid of hardcore.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh I forgot my favourite line from this promo, where Cash was talking to Harley Race, and he was like, You may have won the NWA Championship eight times, but that means you've lost it nine times. <laughs> my favourite um line from this was actually him talking the to- to
1: Ricky, and he's like, "Yeah, you needed a tag team partner to help win all your things." And it's like,
0: as he's hiding behind a beast, <laughs> yeah. so he can't do maths, and he is hiding behind his his gigantic monster.
1: Yeah, what a character! Now, this is truly an evolution.
0: And then, as mentioned, last show of the month, Eric Watts comes out and he makes the, the like the most strange madman steel cage match you've ever heard in your life. He's like, you'll be banned from ringside. And Vince Russo, you'll be handcuffed to me. And also, there'll be a cage.
1: <laughs> so yeah, this is great because he's like, you banned someone from, from ringside. Now you're just like, what the, what is bullshit? <laughs> and then he goes, but Vince Russo was allowed. And just like, oh, well, finally, you've done something right. And then he goes, but it'll be handcuffed to me. <laughs> and then just like, oh, God damn it. Don't know why my AJ Styles is Jim Cornette. Uh, and then they, and the whole time he's cutting this promo, he's just going, and one more thing. And one more thing. <laughs> and one more thing.
0: He's the best. And then Kid Cash faces Ricky Morton to round out that story for the month.
1: Oh yeah, Ricky cuts a good wahoo, yahoo, babyface promo before he goes out there. Uh, They have their match. It's a fun little match. I think Ricky does a good job in this. He does a suicide dive. Very cool. But Abyss comes in, hits him with the shock treatment. Looks fucking great. Underrated
0: all-time move, the shock treatment. I love it. I love the shock treatment. And I get why nobody does it, because dropping in your ass a lot is a bad idea. (laughs) But (laughs) But it's also like... As Abyss is like big move, it makes a lot of sense, you know? Mm. Ricky Morton nearly died, tried to do a Frankensteiner in this match.
1: (sighs) That's why I I love this match, because
0: Ricky's crazy. He is a madman. And like, there was the fun sub story of like, Ricky Morton's the person who trained Kid Cash. So it's like the. Which they acknowledge, yeah. yeah. The whole uh, I taught you everything you know, but not everything I know story they tried to do here, but Cash ended up winning through, as you mentioned, interference from Abyss.
1: Another great storyline,
0: actually. So yeah, that is the the end of your Kid Cash, Eric Watts stuff in general. I think they're moving separate directions now as as Eric Watts is running the television show. Like, it doesn't get better, does it? <laughs>
1: this is like if in the height of like his
0: manic stage, they were like, Hey, Brian Lawler,
1: <laughs> you're in charge.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to tag teams in which America's Most Wanted started the month facing uh, David Young and Sonny Siaki. The only David Young match of this month, actually. David Young kind of disappears for a while again.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of didn't even notice that he disappeared.
0: Story of David Young's life. <laughs> Is he, like, gone, gone? No, he's not. He comes back. He does He does plenty of stuff. He does stuff for another, like, right. three years. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't handle another farewell. <laughs> So we don't have to say goodbye to David Young quite yet. This is just the match where it's just like, AMW's really good, and the point of the match is that AMW is really good.
1: Yeah, they're a good tag team.
0: So then July 9th, we go to basically the tag team feud for the month, where the show opens with AMW facing Diamond and Swinger. And what I thought... This was is fire. This match absolutely rocked. This match just kicked ass. Red hot crowd. AMW at their best. Diamond and Swinger, real underrated tag team. They just kicked ass.
1: Yeah, this is awesome. I and like every time I see Swinger, I'm like, I can't believe that this is the guy who becomes what he becomes, because <laughs> he's so stoic and serious. And now he
0: couldn't be further from that in 2022 Impact.
1: And it's just like, imagine if like it was like if Swinger just had that charisma here, you know? Ah. Mm. Oh. Sometimes it just clicks for different people at different
0: times, you know? And never in the different, the same way. It's like, never they put it all together at the same time. It's like, you have the wrestling here, but the charisma later, and you don't have the wrestling when you have the charisma. It's it's cruel, the world. Or if you do get both, you get it for like three years, because then you like, burn out. <laughs> mm. uh, very notable, Glenn is now managing Diamond and Swinger. He's on commentary for this match. I think he's really good in this role. He's making jokes, and I can't remember the exact joke. It's a joke about a gynecologist. I should have written down the actual joke. I just wrote down the word, word gynecologist. <laughs> but All right. Don West laughs at the joke, and Mike today gets really mad at him.
1: <laughs> yeah. so like, don't laugh at that. Oh, it was something to do with Jeff Jarrett can't wrestle tonight because his
0: doctor was against it. Yeah, and he was visiting his gynecologist. Yeah, that was the joke. And uh, uh, Don, yeah. Don gave it a little chuckle, and Mike is like, don't you sell that. I know, because I,
1: I also chuckled at that, and I felt like Mike was yelling at me. <laughs> oh, it was very good. He was aghast that someone would laugh at this joke. There's, Don gets himself in trouble with those bits sometimes, <laughs> where he sells the heels doing the thing. I kind of like it, though. He's just
0: so wholesome. He's, like, well, like, like, he's the first guy to be like, sometimes the heels have a point. Mm. But without being like... Annoying about it. He just laughs at the dude's joke. Sometimes bad people make. Good Except jokes. for the
1: times where he's like, ah, you know, ah, uh, she kind of deserves it when the guys beat up the girls, mm. <laughs> or when he gets mad at Don Callis because he wants to see the cat fights because he might see skin.
0: Oh, like my favorite part of this entire month is the last cat fight. It might not be the last but There's one. There's sixteen cat fights this month, but and they're all the same. But during one of them, it's like it's not a cat fight. It's just an intense beat down. And Don is so disappointed. Yeah, he's like, I thought this was going to be fun. This is like cruel. It's like, this is actually making me feel bad. Not horny. What? What?" He's like, I'm confused. Oh, Don is great. God, I love Don. I'm just How can you not love this team? Mm, they bring everything you could possibly want to wrestling announcing. It's the best. AMW, kick ass. Crowd, red hot. Do a real cool tag match. AMW win. This was, was this a title match? I don't even remember might have been non-title mm, but it just rocked the other one was they did have a title match later in the month one. yeah this match is kicked ass it's just two good tag teams going out and having a real good tag team match it was so much fun yeah 100% so that starts our feud for the month which is AMW against Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger we have a, a number of different AMW Diamond Swinger segments as I try to work out where the hell they are.
1: Okay, while you do that, I want to talk about James Storm's fucking hat.
0: I, you have sent me multiple messages about his hat, and I, I, did, I did not even remember his hat.
1: Uh, this, I have, it's, oh. Okay, so imagine mm-hmm. a bucket hat. Right. Style hat, right? Mm-hmm. But if it was made of a garbage bag... <laughs> okay. And the band that held, that held it in the middle was a rubber band that made it so tight that the top of it was, like, perfectly rounded and it kind of just looks like a condom on his head. (laughs) And he wore it in the sit-down interview.
0: Yeah, they did an interrogator segment.
1: And then, he wore it out there! And I was like, I understand the Kill the Cowboy (laughs) chance. Bring back the heel section! And Chris Harris has his, like, DX hat on. Mm And I'm like, man, maybe these guys do suck. <laughs> With
0: their shit-ass headwear. Their shitty cowboy gimmicks. I didn't know notice the hat. I, like, I, I did not even register that the man was wearing a hat, so. Please go back and watch the sit-down interview just to see this stupid fucking hat. I hate it so much. So, yeah, they do an interrogator segment. Gilberti, Diamond, and Swinger are very mad at Jerry Rourish because JB wrote a column. I love that there's there's so many feuds built around the fact that people call amw great and people get really mad at it i kind of love it
1: <laughs> yeah it's like no oh, no they're overrated See,
0: jb wrote a column for the websites being like oh amw are the best tag team in the world they're they're really good they actually signed new deals this month too so they'll be with tna and for the long haul and then the uh, gilberti diamond and swinger come out they're very mad about jb and, and then amw run out to make the save but this is where raven comes out again to run off diamond swing at gilberti and cut a promo and leads to more Raven Douglas stuff. Which brings us to NWTN APAV number 55 in which Glenn Gilberti comes out and he wants JB to dress up as a cowgirl. Yeah, JB should have done it.
1: <laughs> like, what would have Gilberti done if JB just confidently took it off of him and started wearing yeah, it? Yeah, JB would have rocked it. I thought he was going to give him a horse out. Sure.
0: Because <laughs> going to be a horse coming out with AMW. I'm pretty sure usually horse outfits need two people. No, but it's just JB in it though. Oh, no, Gilberti could have been the horse's ass. <laughs> yeah. oy, oy. AMW face Diamond and Swinger. Uh match is fine, but the the point was the angle afterwards where Disco ran back out and they laid him out with cowbells and whips and whipped the hell out of them.
1: Uh, we also had the Diamond and Swinger Shockboy Norman Smiley match at some point. Was that the next week or this that week? That was
0: the last match. That's the last, last week. show of the month.
1: Oh, sorry, Jesus.
0: I thought it was in between. Yeah, this was because this AMW were missing, selling the the beatdown. They took it the hands of Diamond Swinger, and then Diamond Swinger mm. beat Shark Boy and Norman. So just to give them a win en route to doing next week a rawhide strap match.
1: Yeah, there's one thing I wanted to put oh. over real quick. They were teasing whipping JB mm. with Swinger and Diamond, like picking up his legs and his arms, and like holding him up. And I was like, I kind of want to see him get the shit whipped out of him right now, because <laughs> I was like. That would suck so bad to be held up and that way he couldn't defend himself at all.
0: And you wanted him to see it?
1: Yeah, I guess I am the heel section. I was like,
0: yeah, whip JB. You're like, I hate the Cowboys and I want Jeremy Boric to get his ass kicked. It's the hat. The
1: hatter's heel section peeled me. I've been hat peeled.
0: So next week, which we will talk about in the August episode, AMW faced Face, Diamond Swinger in a strap match.
1: I'm looking forward to that maybe I
0: shouldn't actually that match also rules so you can look forward to that yeah which brings us over to the X Division in which we mentioned Daniels and Skipper have broken up Daniels has gone heavyweight I guess because he's feuding with Jarrett but Elix Skipper is now a singles wrestler Uh, in the X Division there's
1: no weight limits Garrett.
0: Oh, sorry, yes, it's the credo of the X-Division. So, Elix Skipper is now singles in the X-Division. He has a number of singles matches this month.
1: I love his new entrance theme. It's just him talking shit over a beat.
0: (laughs) It's like, ha ha, prime time, baby. This is the house I built. I'm the best wrestler in the world. Pound for pound, better than ever. It's like that for, like, 30 seconds. He just goes on and on.
1: You know how sometimes when they do entrances, they'll play the entrance video? Mm -hmm. I had, like because I was watching this at like 3am I was having like a mental like breakdown because like none of it was syncing to the video <laughs> and I was like are they, they're playing the promo again like the vignette a second time and, and, and it's not synced at all and there's music now." I, I was like I couldn't comprehend what was going
0: on until he walked out <laughs> so yeah they, they air a couple of vignettes and then he has a, a few matches the first of which is against the Amazing Red on NWA Baby number 54 not Great. Well, to be fair, Amazing Red had no knees. That's what I was setting you up for. This is the last we will see of Amazing Red until I think it's Ever. March 2004.
1: Oh, God, that's really far away. He
0: legitimately, he came back from the All Japan Tour. They actually mention it. It's like, oh, it, it's amazing to see how good Red is despite the shape his knees are in. So he came back from the All Japan Tour. His knees were in very bad shape. He got an MRI done in the weeks after this match, as it turns out. But yeah, this is the last we'll see of Red until March 2004 because his knees were absolutely banjaxed.
1: Banjaxed.
0: Do you not know the word banjaxed? Is that an Irish word?
1: I've never heard banjaxed.
0: Basically broken. Ah, so we would say rooted. Ah, there you go. Cultural exchange. There
1: you go, get some sl- some slang from two-, two sides of the world. How fun!
0: So yeah, poor Red, broken, battered, bruised.
1: Wait, so- <laughs> I want to know where banjax comes from. <laughs>
0: There, there was a part of me. Fair enough, Red is injured and never seen again. But there was part of me that saw Red while well, you looked this up and get an explanation. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know the etymology of Banjax, I'm sorry, <laughs> but if you mean, I thought you were going to look it up, which is the reason I started filling time.
1: But oh no, I thought you were going to tell me, <laughs> and then you just moved on. I was like, oh, I'll Google it though. Talk about amazing Red. But
0: there was a moment. Fair enough, he's injured. He won't be around for another, I don't know, like eight months. But. There was part of me that was just very sad when he just came out for his surprise return. This is the first time we saw Red since that angle at Raven where he put Raven through the table and he just comes out and he just loses the skipper and I'm like, oh, okay. Red is just, this is Red. Though his knees are absolutely wrecked so he's never seen again until 2004. He had a cool music video.
1: I got, um, a cool time-tron though.
0: He, they actually put some time into his TitanTron and his music and then he just disappears. So, band text. Mm-hmm. First of all, Completely Irish. Ah, good. Just Ireland. Banjaxed a
1: peculiar word. It is. Meaning broken beyond repair that originated around the 1930s, but its entomology is unknown. Oh,
0: there you go. We, no one knows where the word banjax came from then. I'm, I'm not stupid.
1: The Scottish might be able to shed some light on it given that banjode means to be hit as hard as possible and subsequently banjode
0: also means wrecked is it cuz you hit people with a banjo? I guess. Mm.
1: <laughs> hit people with a thousand banjos, never drew a dime.
0: <laughs> NW88 February number 55 Elix Skipper issues an open challenge which is answered by the debuting Mad Mikey, better known as Crash Holly.
1: You also had a Jerry Lynn match at some point. That
0: was the last show of the month. Would you keep things in your brain in the right order? Sorry,
1: I thought you said that this was the last match and that was that's why I was like I to be skip over the other one? <sighs>
0: Can't, you just can't keep things in the right order, can you?
1: No, I had it in the right order in my head, and then I misheard you. And then I was like, I guess I didn't have
0: it right. So Eagle Skipper, while cutting this one, with a very good line that I loved because of Don West's reaction. He's like, cameraman, focus in on these abs. And Don replied, they look like mine. <laughs> completely deadpan. they good abs. So yeah, Crash Holly, here in the NWATNA. Um,
1: I also love that this it this was the time that Eagle Skipper brought out the the scale. Mm-hmm.
0: And of course, Crash Holly the scale in WWF so it it does come together
1: I didn't like that like they had to use it as a weapon
0: (laughs) (laughs) to to beat Crash Holly of all people yeah for what I otherwise thought was a pretty good match yeah a nice little debut for Holly he hit the hop splash which I quite enjoy where Skipper's on the other side of the ring Uh, Crash goes to the far corner He's like, oh, what am I going to do? He's really far away. So he jumps halfway through the ring, stops, and then just does a little splash. It's a good bit.
1: Yeah. Him and Kota Ibushi, <laughs> two legends.
0: I also especially enjoyed, on commentary, Mike DeNega's running down all of Crash Holly's accomplishments.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that um, Don West calls him like one of the most decorated wrestlers in WWF history. Yeah, because
0: Mike is like, he, he beat The Rock and Mick Foley for the tag titles. He's a European champion. He's like a 70-time hardcore champion. And Don is like oh, you know, he really is one of the most decorated stars in the history of the WWE. <laughs> it's like, you know what? In sheer number of titles won, that's not untrue. I Watching this
1: match made me think of what a great bit it would be for someone to, was like, coming in from another company or something and was, like, a 13-time a IC champ or whatever, and just to have 13 different intercontinental titles on them as they came out.
0: <laughs> Crash should have had, like, 20 hardcore titles.
1: Yeah. That's what I thought of it. I was like, Crash comes out with 20 hardcore <laughs> championships around him.
0: So yeah, Skipper defeats Mad Mikey, hits him with the scales. Uh, as you mentioned, nice little match. Crash, good wrestler. Yeah. And uh, we'll pivot to Crash first, because he has a, a vignette on the last show of the month as well. This was great. Where he's, like, making this art house film about how he's angry.
1: Someone, um replied to the post of it saying it was always sunny in philadelphia-esque and i'm like wow it really does look like an early season
0: bit from always sunny yeah so like the whole thing is just like he's in his uh, in with his roommates and eating cereal and he just gets mad at them
1: his roommates sell that so well <laughs> that's what they did when that guy took the fucking um the bump on the table mm-hmm. that was that was really good i went back and watched it like three times my man took that perfectly
0: I, I don't know who that was, but I know that was shot in the TNA offices. You can recognize the glass behind me. I could tell.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was really great. I also love the, the idea that as roommates, they all take a bite of the cereal each and then pass it down. <laughs> and him jumping into the,
0: the fast food restaurant's window got an audible laugh from the crowd that, that went through. Yeah. Crash. Funny. Funny guy. And then, uh, opening that last show of the month also, Jerry Lynn defeated Ethan Skipper in, like, three seconds, immediately pinned him, Skipper...
1: Are you sure that wasn't earlier in the... <laughs> in
0: the month? And then... Skipper... or, er, demanded a rematch, in which Lynn beat him again. They had a real match. It was about five minutes. It was fine.
1: I liked it. I thought it was really good, actually.
0: I, I do... I'm quite annoyed that they, like, paid off the scale thing already. Like, already Jerry Lynn hit him with the scale as, like, turned about his fair play to beat him.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I also think that the scale is fucking stupid, mm. so maybe paying it off and
0: getting rid of it is fine. To explain, he has the scale because he is pound for pound the best wrestler in the world. That's a, that's the game. I don't...
1: What does that mean? He is the best at this weight? Or com- in comparison to other people who are bigger and better than him, he is equal because he is smaller but better? Yes.
0: So people who are bigger than him may beat him, but for his weight, he has more skill than anybody per pound of weight that he has. That's stupid. <laughs> Uh, it's, it, it's a thing that doesn't really make much sense in wrestling where there is not defined weight classes. Especially in TNA, where there is not defined weight classes.
1: <laughs> it's a whole selling point.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's like a boxing thing. So you have this guy who's like, he'd lose to a heavyweight, but like technically in skill way. That's he's way, way better than any other. So you, you used to hear it a lot with like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. And then to pivot to the other X-Division story of the month, which is Saban and Kazarian.
1: This was a fun one. And um, speaking of like that always sunny style stuff, I think I uh, said so this to you. Chris Saban has like big mid to late two thousands sitcom energy. Mm. Like this dude would have fit perfectly on any of those kind of shows. You put Chris Sabin in the Office. <laughs> it would have worked. Yeah, he exactly. He has that like I don't know what kind of energy it is about it, but he's he really is. That he's the epitome of that kind of generational humor, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. And you see it more, especially when the when the guns come together. You see a lot more of.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I always knew it was around when the guns happened because I had seen it. Right. Mm-hmm. I just I was kind of blown away to see that already he has it. Like even in the segment where he's being interviewed by Scott, and he's like, "What was what's the line that he kept repeating?"
0: I don't know. I did quite like that segment because I thought it was a tremendous bit. That last show of last month. Kaz beat Saban, so it's like, oh, he's going to get a title match. But then Kaz lost the Styles in the world title match on the first show of this month. And then Saban's like, he's on a losing streak. He can't get a title shot. Yeah. <laughs> he was beaten by the world champion. And he's just like, no, no, this, uh, this guy's he's, he's on a losing streak. I can't defend the belt against somebody on a losing streak.
1: Yeah. Uh, I really wish I could remember the line because it's really funny.
0: This is where like, you take notes. He, uh...
1: Ah, uh, maybe I uh, well, maybe I should. But like he says something along the lines of like Earn it or something and he just keeps and he keeps walking away and just keeps going, Earn it, earn it, earn it, Scott, earn it, earn it <laughs> as Scott's trying to throw to the next segment. And I was like, This he already has that kind of like weirdo dorky charisma and I, I love it. I love I didn't expect to see it so early, I expected him to just be kind of wrestle guy because whenever I'd seen him previously it was just kind of wrestle guy.
0: So after Saban has declined giving Kaz a shot because he lost the Styles, Kaz earns the shot by defeating Kid Romeo, Matt Sidal, Alter Boy Luke, Delirious, and Matt Stryker in a six-man match.
1: I was ecstatic to hear the name Alter Boy Luke again. It has been
0: so long since I've heard that. Like, maybe ten years since I've heard the name Alter Boy Luke. It's it like, Luke Hawks is still wrestling in the NWA with his son. <laughs> like, he's, ta- he's teaming yeah. with his son now in the NWA. It looks so different. Mm. So you see him here walking out with the blonde hair and wearing, like, the, the shawl. Does that have a name? You went to Catholic school.
1: I didn't go to Catholic school.
0: You went to, like, an equivalent of Catholic school.
1: I went to a knockoff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: We didn't do that shit. It has a name. Shawl, yeah. You watched um, Midnight Mass. Mm. I, I, I'm like, you, you tell me as if I'm not, like, a, a communed, confirmed, and baptized Catholic myself. It's like... <laughs>
1: hey, I'm baptized, too. I, got, I did it for the free stuff. Hmm.
0: <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Frankie wins this match. You get <laughs> Matt Seydal. This is Matt Seydal's debut.
1: Yeah, I was excited to see this. I, but I knew Matt Sidal was showing up.
0: And Mike Deney pronounces it as Sidal instead of Seydal.
1: Kazarian and Matt Sidal.
0: Sidal looks so young here. Like, so young. He looks like a child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank God he's like... Back, mm. like I was so depressed when he wasn't on a major stage for a while. Yeah, and he
0: had the really good Ex-Division title run, and now he's on AEW TV. He's had a good little few years for himself.
1: Even like I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying like I expect him to
0: retire tomorrow, but I'm glad he got to bookend his careers in big spots. He is also arguably, and it might be forgotten to time. I hope it isn't. He's the guy that made Will Osprey.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And he, they redid it with Dante Martin. He,
0: he like he is to Will Osprey as Christopher Daniels was to AJ Styles. Like they, they, they he is that important to the development of that rest of that feud in Red Pro between Will Ospreay and Matt Sydal is what took Will Ospreay to another level, and that should not be forgotten. Well,
1: you, you saw him turn from like guy who was exemplifying all the criticisms of just being a spot monkey who did cool shit, and then turned him into a guy he structured matches and told a story, and put it all together. Yeah. And that was Matt Seidel, and that was that Rev Pro feud.
0: And that should not be forgotten in Matt Seidel's legacy. No, 100%. But yeah, Kaz wins the match, and then Saban immediately gives Kaz the title match and beats him pretty quick.
1: <laughs> yes, it's a good bit.
0: So Kaz, d- despite being screwed here, he is given an actual Division championship match the following week. He defeats Sabin, but then the referee reverses the decision.
1: Yeah, for whatever reason. And then Saban like, does the, the, the cheap win.
0: Yeah, because there's there's the ref bump, and he hits him with a belt, and then Rudy Charles comes out and asserts his authority, and it's like, no, that can't happen. Which is like, why does it apply now? That's always my problem with all of these things. It's like, you you do this once, where you reverse the decision, and it's like, shouldn't that happen every time? And it it, it never works that way, because, well... That's just wrestling, isn't it?
1: Because sometimes you need it to go the other way.
0: And uh, to be fair, Don West on commentary is absolutely aghast at the idea that they would reverse the decision. Especially in this company, with so many fuck finishes. Yeah, and he's like, even though Chris Sabin introduced the belt and Kaz used it, Kaz is disqualified for using the belt? That's absolutely disgusting. He's not wrong. Kaz and Sabin, do they just not have chemistry together? Do they... They get there, don't they? I can't think of a good Frankie Kazarian against Chris Sabin match.
1: They should wrestle now.
0: Like, there there's some notable matches that I won't mention coming up in August. Spoilers. But you, you might be able to work out what it is.
1: But... Um, no. I can't think of anyone who debuted that would maybe influence this.
0: Yeah, not at all. It's just weird. Every time they wrestle, it's just kind of flat, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. man. I, I'm also not the highest Frankie guy in the world. Mm. So, like, I, I always think that I've... I always feel like I'm the low man on Frankie. I'm, not, I'm never a dude who's like excited to see Frankie. Like Frankie for me, like peaked with bad influence. Do I have to put the theme in twice. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: Last show of the month, we get Saban defending the title against the debuting Michael Shane with special referee Frankie Kazarian. Garrett, mm-hmm.
1: this was my match for the month. This bit kind of rocked, didn't it? Yeah, I thought this was really good. I loved all of it. I loved uh, this. I loved the pace that they pushed here. I loved that. Frankie like, most, like the only thing I didn't like about it was the finish mm. but I like for the most part Frankie just was a ref like, I honestly forgot that he was refing. for
0: legitimately a so did I I was watching the match and I was into it It's was like oh Saban and Shane just kind of tearing it up really good introduction for Shane I'm like oh yeah this referee is Frankie Kazarian <laughs> I thought Shane oh, killed it here killed it in this position mm.
1: and he's a dude that I and, and I've been watching on these early Ring of Honor shows I always felt like he was there, but he was never on the level with the guys he was paired with, because he did like the London stuff, and London always felt like he was above him there. So when I saw him here, and he and he's been off those shows for a while now, he came back and he did this, and I, I thought he I thought he killed it here. I really I thought this match was one of the better exhibition uh, matches we've seen in a while, probably since like the London match was the last one I had this high, because I I really loved this match. I thought Shane he just delivered here, and he came across like, this is a guy that should be uh, around moving forward, which is why I guess they did do that. Also, the whole time I was watching it, I was just like thinking about Shane and Frankie, because that's the first time I ever saw Frankie was that
0: team. Mm. Uh, Liam, I'm not sure you know this. You might not have heard. Did you know that Michael Shane is Shawn Michaels' cousin?
1: Michael Shane? Okay, let me just start. Michael Shane. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels.
0: Heartbreak kid. Eat your heart out,
1: Michael Shane Sean Michaels. It's it's a thing. You and would have
0: thought they would have mentioned a few more times on commentary. It's
1: a pretty well. You think that I, I don't even remember it. Like you think that'd be a big point. You know, like that's a pretty you know they would get him over. You know, you bring that you bring it in, you bring it up. He did do a super kick, mm-hmm. so that could have been some sort of inkling.
0: It's a, it's a, I think they only mentioned it, uh, I think, like, seven or eight times on commentary. It's a thing. They should have really and Garrett, driven it I home. have another thing for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you
1: know that Britt Baker is a dentist? They... Uh,
0: no. I've never heard them say that. Garrett. What?
1: Relic uh-huh. is killer backwards. Shut the front door. Yeah. I, I. See, there's some things about, like... Some things in wrestling are just a little too subtle. Uh-huh. And the casual fans, mm, 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 mm. they just don't get it if you don't drill it I don't in. Understand.
0: So I'm, sur- I, I understand why these things would have gone over people's they, heads. They need to say Shawn Michaels is the, the cousin of Michael Shane at least 17 or 18 more times per show. I think then then people will get it. Mm.
1: Yeah, he should definitely like you know wear more Shawn Michaels' gear. His gear actually did kind of rock
0: here. He wore great gear. Yeah,
1: it rocked obviously, but he had like the straight up like gauntlet hand things that Shawn used to mm. wear. <laughs> but I. Like, uh... I mean, I don't blame this dude for, like, you know, Matt Bentley. <laughs> like, I don't blame you for trying to, like, drop this shit eventually, because how's this ever going to get someone over? He's not going to be Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but he's pretty good. Yeah, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, what is the... Are you trying to confuse someone into thinking it is Shawn Michaels? <laughs>
0: What's the deal here? Well, I guess the thing is, Shawn Michaels is a great wrestler, so maybe his cousin will be a great wrestler, so they'll buy the pay-per-view to see his cousin wrestle. Wait, wait, wait. He's Shawn Michaels' cousin? Yeah. Wow. Oh, shit. I know finish of this match Frankie hit the wave of the future on Chris Saban after he finally snapped Michael Shane was going to win the belt until senior official Rudy Charles came out pulled rank I love this I love this impending feud between Rudy Charles and Frankie Kazarian I did kind of love that like instead of the special referee doing this dumb special referee stuff the senior official came out and was like no you can't do that
1: yeah you've 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 Ruined your position of power.
0: Of course, while dressing down Frankie Kazarian, and hit Michael Shane with the belt to retain the title. And as mentioned, a very good match. A match worth watching.
1: Yeah, this is a uh, recommended. And because it's just cool that this is Michael Shane's debut and he had such a
0: a, a knock-it-out-of-the-park performance. And shock of all shocks, the YouTube title for this section, when it's posted, will be, Did you know Michael Shane is Shawn Michaels' cousin? <laughs> Open parentheses, Bentley Bounce, close parentheses. hey. Tracy and Michael Shane aren't a team yet. You have to wait for that. No, oh, I'm, I'm I'm excited for that. All right, best of the rest. Bitch slap Liam, what would you like to say about bitch slap? We're not going to go through each bitch slap segment frankly.
1: Cuz they're all the same. We'll describe one and then we'll end it. Bitch slap aka
0: Bitch slap girls. Yeah, the the bitch slap girls, Liam. The bitch slap girls. Be-
1: because once cuz bitch slap was Trinity and Nurse Veronica, Tracy and Nurse Veronica. Yeah, that was sorry, Tracy and Nurse Veronica. That was bitch slap, mm-hmm. bitch slap girls is the new girl in Trinity.
0: Yes, well it, no, it's it's Veronica, Trinity and the Valentina. I think Lizzie Valentine of WSX fame, if you remember her. She's I think her name is Valentina. Those are the bitch slap girls, and then you have the TNA girls, which is Lollipop and April Pennington. But then you also have bitch slap. Yeah, bitch slap is Trinity, Nurse Veronica and valentina tracy just disappears i don't know where no, she's uh,
1: valentina wasn't there with, with trinity trinity was was gone by the time valentina was introduced because valentina was introduced on the show that trinity left no there, there was a three-on-two assault no sorry not trinity <laughs> tracy Tr- tracy is separate tracy and and <laughs> veronica uh bitch slap they are it's a duo it is a tag team then the
0: the bitch slap girls is the trio the original bitch slap is tracy and veronica and then you get the bitch slap girls, which is Veronica, Valentina, and Trinity. Okay but who is Shawn Michaels' cousin? That is Relic. Oh, okay. Yeah, you get the feud where there's a bunch of cat fights and brawl. And Nurse
1: Veronica is a dentist? Yes.
0: I assume. <laughs> yeah, Nurse Veronica, DMT. <laughs> So there's a bunch of segments this month. There's like four of them where they're all the exact same, where either Bitch Slap or Lollipop and April Pennington... The Bitch Slap girls. Yeah, sorry. ...come out and cut a promo about how they want to fight. Then the other group come out and they fight. This has been happening every single week. Rinse and repeat. The exact same thing. They occasionally flip it where the other team calls out the other team. But it's the same thing. So, Mm Lollipop.
1: My girl. You know... Nothing but love and respect for this woman. She's a hideous promo. (laughs) One of the worst promos I've ever heard of my (laughs) life. And, like, I get it. She's not like... This isn't her business. Mm. (laughs) But, god damn. Never again, She is a
0: character on this show. We do have... Unfortunately, have to, like, acknowledge bad things.
1: Yeah, obviously, I'm a big Lollipop supporter. I've been day one. Mm. I've been down since day one-ish. Is she, like, training? (laughs) Is someone, like, getting in the ring and trying to, like, work with Lollipop
0: maybe if they ever do the match which I don't remember if they ever actually do a match I don't think there is going to be a great deal of holes and counter holes in that contest fair enough so yes, that is the feud between the Bitch Slap girls and the TNA girls. I
1: don't want to go to 3LK yet.
0: Okay, we'll do Lynn Incredible first then.
1: Yeah, I want to do 3LK and Sting as the last two, because I want to end with 3LK and Jesus. Okay,
0: so we we start with Just Incredible, Jerry Lynn. They had two matches this month. The first was a Russian chain match. Yeah. Mm. Which again, the short enough, Incredible one dropped Jerry Lynn with a tombstone on the chain before Lollipop ran out and checked on Lynn. Lollipop well, involved in many angles on these shows. He's a star now. I like the way they were like, Should we do a thing with Jerry Lynn and Lollipop? And then they're like after two weeks of doing things with it, they just drop it. Yeah. A fun note, Billy Corgan was backstage at the show where this match took place, July second. Wow. Visiting his pal Just Incredible.
1: Yeah, they pals.
0: Well, Billy Corgan was always hanging around ECW, wasn't he? I guess.
1: Him and Tony Khan. The formations of the NWA-AEW <laughs> working agreement.
0: So July 9th, we mentioned that Credible ran in to cost Lynn his match against Cash, which set up a last man standing, or Texas, well, it was wrestled under Texas death Match rules, even though it was called a last man standing match on NWA-TNAP number 54, which is the best match they've had by far. <laughs> it
1: sure was. You gave it
0: three stars. I gave it two and three quarters. You gave it three at one stage, I checked.
1: Yeah, I gave it three. When I thought the fall was a fall, and I thought the match was over.
0: No, it's a Texas death match, because TNA like, have always yeah. varied on this, because they, they, they...
1: I was half paying attention, and when it went one, two, three, I was like, oh, you know what, that was pretty good. I guess Garrett was right. There was a pretty good feud ender, and I chucked in my three, <laughs> and I was ready to move on, and I was like, oh, the match is still going.
0: Yes. We literally just had a Texas death match last weekend on an Impact baby Liam. You know why I
1: was confused? Why? Because it was called a last man standing match, and then there was a pinfall, yeah. so I was like, "I guess it's just it was a pinfall match."
0: Because <laughs> T- TNA is always varied on this. They, like, there's multiple last man standing matches that are wrestled under these rules. Then they go to calling it a Texas Death because this is Texas Death Match rules is the three count and then the ten count, which I think actually kind of solves problems with last man standing matches. It gets rid of meaningless counts but still I think it's way better it, it's a, a much better stipulation it, 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 again it fixes a, an inherent problem with last man standing matches if it's worked well and there is some Texas death matches that they wrestle under last man standing rules as well it's, it's very inconsistent in DNA history
1: so I don't want to go past this because I do want to give Just Incredible his flowers here I've, I have been mean to young Justin yeah. um, I have not been impressed with much of his stuff before this but I thought he fucking worked his ass off here I thought he was really good in this yeah
0: because they're, they're freaking just hitting each other with tombstones onto things. I did think the finish was a little flat. There was like a period where he did a tombstone on a, a board that should have just been the finish, and they got up and they did like a, a, a tease where they were both going to be counted out, but then then got up and that was kind of lame. But and they did like a double pinfall. It didn't really make much sense. They should have just finished on the tombstone or the cradle tombstone onto the board. Should have been the finish. But other than that, I thought they yeah, they beat the hell out of each other. They worked a, a very hard pace. And it was a good match.
1: I agree.
0: Well done. This is the last we'll see of Just Incredible, I think, for quite a while. You know, he shows up in two thousand six, but uh, maybe he does some more stuff. I'm not sure if he does more stuff here. I'm pretty sure this is the last we see of him. I haven't checked.
1: Uh, uh, further chances to impress me <laughs> incoming. Mm. But I, I legitimately though I, I do want to put over Incredible. I thought it was good here after being after me being pretty down on him. So yeah, good stuff.
0: Would you like to do Sting or l k? I want to end with 3 okay. So let's do Sting in the most boring interview you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> he um was
1: did they do the name association in this month?
0: Yeah, they were all this month. So there there was four Sting segments broken up over Four different shows. The Mike Taney interview was set, broken up into four parts. Because I liked some of them. NWA pay-per-view Number 54, July 2nd. Sting interview with Mike Taney. He talked about breaking in. He talked about like how Jerry Jarrett gave him his first opportunity in the business. He talked about how like he wanted to give back to the person who gave him his break in wrestling. Which I let say you know, nice little interview. Nothing special, nothing groundbreaking. But it's nice to be like, yo, know, you know, I sent all these press kits out to hundreds and hundreds of promoters, and Jerry Jarrett was the only person who got in touch when I was finally trying to break into the business with Jim Hallowick, the Ultimate Warrior, and it was cool to be like, and now I'm paying back that favor, hmm. which is yeah, pretty cool. I thought the first one was the best of them; and the rest were like, he said nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I disagree because I think the second was the best So, yeah,
0: NWATNA baby number 53. Sting sat down with Mike today again, and he was doing word association. So, he was talking about his favorite opponent, which he said was Ric Flair, his favorite match, which he said was the Great American Bash 1990 match against Flair. And then he did word association. Okay.
1: Where. Just <laughs> before we get into the word association. Mm-hmm. The the reason I like this is because he takes, like, a minute on each name because he's like, how do I not call them a piece of shit?
0: Yep, he is very nice, too nice, frankly, for this interview to be interesting.
1: But (laughs) But the funny thing about it is you can tell him, like, I'm trying to think of something nice to say, which makes it funny
0: and why I like the interview. Because he clearly doesn't like any of these people. But, like, my absolute favourite part is he clearly took a lot longer to answer than was actually aired. Because if you watch the one where Mike Tanae says Bret Hart and Sting responds Great finishing hold, when Bre- Mike Tenay says Bret Hart, his mouth doesn't move. <laughs> so like they, it's either a bad edit or there was like so long between the the gap when Mike Tanae said it and Sting like actually responded that like they they just couldn't make it work. <laughs> it's like God. It was like your standard two-camera shoot where there was a camera on today and Sting and the camera on Sting, so they cut between the shots. But they had the camera on today and Sting when you heard the words, Bret Hart, and watch very closely, my Tane's mouth doesn't move. In fact, my Tanay barely moves at all. I have to check to make sure it wasn't a still image or he wasn't edited in. It'd be funnier if it wasn't even
1: Bret Hart that they said. <laughs> it was just like, he <laughs> was like, uh, you know, Jushin Liger.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Petey Williams.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, great finishing hold. <laughs> yeah, the warrior one is very funny. I like the Vince to Hogan one, but that was pretty Yeah,
0: because he, he said Piper, where he said talented character. He said Warrior, which he said very bizarre.
1: After a big pause. Very,
0: very, very long pause before he said anything about Warrior. <laughs> yeah, Vince, he said best chess player of all time. Hogan, he said best chess player of all time, and then chuckled. That was the only time that there wasn't a cut, because mm. <laughs> like, it was like one after the other. Hogan, uh, Vince, Hogan. And then Mike Dine asks him, which I thought was quite interesting because this is a talking point that still exists in wrestling today. But he was talking about asking him about, like, the effect the internet has had on wrestling. And Sting responded, It's good and bad. It really is. I really stopped paying attention to the internet. Even when most everyone was saying really good things about me, there are always going to be people saying bad things about you. The people who do that, some of them all... Some of them, all, all they know is how... God damn it! Thing, your speech patterns are so infuriating. Some of them, all they know how to do is rip it apart. Why do you watch? You watch because you love it. So start writing good things about it. Okay. So, I want to
1: address something with like this. I think he is right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there is a lot of good and a lot of bad, and I think. If he is referring to the to the people that we would see on Twitter nowadays who go into people's uh, things and they just rip them into and talk shit and, like, say shit just to get, you know, the hot take and or to tear someone down that they don't like or be a part of some damn fucking culture war between companies as we see what's happening right now. Like, if it's that, I get it. And, like, I, that's who I think he's talking about. Because if he's talking about, like, Meltzer or something, you know, giving a bad match review, that's stupid. Get over it. That's how wrestling works. There's always going to be pundits who want to talk about it. Because if people don't want to talk about it, then guess what? It kind of fucking dies. You kind you need this sort of back-and-forth involvement with it, because otherwise, what is the point of it? There's no, it's not going to be anything. There'll be no community. There'll be no fan base. There's no room for
0: growth. And be- before you continue your rant, I must say, and I always say it, Good art gets better the more you examine it. If if something is really, really <laughs> good, we talked about the Raven and, and Shane Douglas stuff. If something is good and interesting, the more you talk about it, the more you should be able to discover it. The more interesting it should become. This idea that, like, oh, you're picking holes in it. If there are the holes the pick, will pick them. If something's really good, we won't.
1: And also don't take
0: offense to mm. it. Like, don't, I, get, I get it, it's
1: your thing, you literally went out there and put your, like, I guess, because wrestling's a different thing where it's like, other art forms, whatever, you, t- you pick holes in it, it's all subjective, and it's subjective with wrestling, but I get there's a personal attachment to it because you're literally putting your life on the line when you go out there and do your art. So, I get it. You're gonna be protective over it. I think the whole thing, too, is when it's legitimate and when it's authentic, there's no problem with it. And you have to be able to separate that from people who are just vindictive and have bad faith arguments and who are just trying to get a rise out of you. And I get it. It must suck, especially in this day and age with everyone on Twitter and everyone rips into everyone, which is why I think most of the time you should just fucking log out and just, just post your links to your t-shirts, post your links to your upcoming matches and log out.
0: Honestly, once you've reached that point. In Sting's era, like, fans didn't have access to Sting like if if, if the yeah. only way Sting would be able to find out what fans were saying about him online is if he actively went and checked whereas in this era where like we have social media and like wrestlers are human beings who should be allowed to use social media without having to and it's a direct contact to these people
1: too it's not just a I'm going to write a review on something and then they might see this my review mm. you know it's I can at them and it will go directly to their phone. Yes,
0: they, if I have enough followers, they'll get a goddamn notification for it. If I really, really want to abuse these poor human beings, but like it is that difference that like it's no longer the case that you have to seek out criticism for yourself. People will direct it toward you personally and as you said, vindictively in a way that is. Just, like, anybody who tags anybody in criticism... Honestly, anybody who tags anybody in praise, I think, is even still kind of lame. It's just like, I don't know, leave it there for people to find if they want to find it. It's the reason I, I honestly have no problem with people who vanity search... Like, people are all like, oh, they're a, they're a vanity searcher. It's like, I have no problem with people searching out what people thought about it. It's when they get mad about it that's a different issue. When people get, like, yeah. I searched out this piece of criticism about me and I got gotten to about it, then you look like a spineless nerd. But you should be able like, to, like, Google your name and see what people are saying about you. That's healthy, honestly, if you want to grow as a performer. Well, and to roll it back,
1: too, with, like, just fan interaction, it sucks that we are in this, like, vindictive, mean uh, internet space now because... These things should be good. Having this connection with these people should be great because you should, you know, how cool would it is it that you can just interact with your favorites now. And you can go back and forth. But like it's been ruined and it's been fucking perverse and it's been it's been turned into this thing now that it's just so gross and I and every day I get I think there's less and less of a reason for it now. Like we we peaked with what it was good for and now we're just in this weird gross space where everything Feels like it's vindictive and pushing an angle, and just not genuine. Nothing feels genuine anymore. So I, I'm really at the point now where it's like, if if I didn't have a thing that I wanted to, you know, get out there and be a part of and get involved, I I wouldn't even have it anymore. Because like, what's the fucking point of it? It's just so gross and taxing, and I couldn't imagine being in the position of these athletes. on national television, and just because you just you see some of the shit they get, and everything you do is so micro analyzed now. It's like you you make any sort of comment, and like someone will take something to mean something because you know it's that's just how it is with people. You're gonna, you're all going to have different interpretations of what people meant, but like the problem is everyone thinks their interpretation of something is the right interpretation. Like they then and there's no world in which they could have meant someone could have meant something else, or there was broader context to something. And it's really unfortunate that's the stage we're in now.
0: You know what the worst part of it is? The Mm. people you just talked about are the minority. And, like, significantly Mm. so. They're a tiny minority of people. But we have built platforms that allow them to be loudest. And that is partially our fault. Like, Twitter could be, like, 50 times better in the morning if they just got rid of the quote tweet feature. Like, one change they could make... Would change Twitter irrevocably for the better, but it drives too much engagement, and they'll never do it. But like, it's it's like it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be the case that a minority of people should make a place worse for a majority why do we allow that to happen why I, have we built these platforms to allow that to happen why do we as human beings feel the need to constantly signal boost shit takes like we can't help I do it all the time I'm, I'm not like oh I'm sitting on my pedestal being like oh I am above all the Twitter people I'm amazing I have seen through this it's like no I quote tweet shit takes too and like at least like twice a week I'll go to do it and like no this person has like 40 followers what am I doing Doing? Why am I giving them... Like, I have a considerably larger platform than them. Not that I'm, like, a big-shot Twitter man. But, like... This <laughs> guy! Whoa, like, why whoa, am whoa, I giving whoa. oxygen to idiots and we all do it and we do it constantly and we give considerably more oxygen to stupid people than we give to everybody else we as human beings have just allowed these platforms to run amok with negativity and nonsense even though it is the vast minority of people like it's just a very very loud very very annoying minority of people and, like, I
1: don't want to, like, come, make this come across, like, I don't think there's a space for legitimate criticism of people online, because I think there is. People should be held to a certain standard. The problem is when it's not legitimate. The problem is when it's malicious, and it's done to specifically
0: hurt or make fun of someone. That's when I have a problem. And I don't it. think it can ever be done on Twitter. Even in in good faith, even in, like, the right mind... All Twitter becomes is, like, signaling to people around you that, oh, look, this, I'm above this person. Even if you mean it in a good way, it's like, oh, no, I'm signaling to the world. Like, write a frickin' news article about why this person did something wrong and add, like, detailed context. There's no way, like, yeah, a quote tweet where you're like, in this 240 characters I'm going to tell you why you're bad so other people can slap like.
1: And the thing is, too, is, like... Uh, I don't know. This is two people who are who have studied, either studied communication, or have worked in uh,
0: PR or wrestling. Twitter is literally my job. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
1: like I feel every like, everything you say has to have a level of snark to it mm-hmm. too, like for it to for it to bang, for it to go off. You know, it has to be a little snarky. No, like genuine praise of something never gets big. You know. It's uh, if you ever want like a point or a a take to get off, it has to be a hot take. It has to have spice to it. It has to be a little mean. It has to be a little snarky because that's the only way it goes anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I've written things before on Twitter, and like I'm a victim of it too. Trust me. Where I've I've written it down on Twitter and I've written a tweet and I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good tweet. Won't get anything though. (laughs) Because I know how it's phrased, and I know that it's not done in a way that's like targeting someone in this way, and like, and it's not gonna, and people aren't gonna go, oh, I need to retweet that. That's spicy, you know what I mean?
0: But like, it it, it values extremes because it's not just like spicy. Like, overwhelming positivity does do well too, where it's like oh, that's the mm. best match I've ever seen, and then all the people who like that validates their worldview will be like, yeah, that's the best match I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, but it's also the other people who are like, no, this is the worst. <laughs> You're fucking wrong. How could you say this is the best match you've ever seen? This is objectively not the best match. Which is
0: the reason it, it encourages people to go to extremes. So this is the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. You can never be like, Michael Shane against Chris Aben. was a damn good little X Division title match. You know, you can never just say that.
1: How dare you.
0: <laughs> uh, we're three hours deep in this podcast. We can say whatever we want at this stage. <laughs> yeah, they,
1: yeah some, Someone's going to be there responding to and be like, actually, that was the worst Chris. Saban match I have ever seen. It's like, well then fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, that's Sting talking about the internet. <laughs> it's us talking about the internet. Well, wow, you thought that rant was crazy. Wait till you get to the Jesus one.
0: NWATNA Baby number 54. Sting continued his conversation with Mike Taney. He talked about beating Flair, how Flair kind of made his career. Then he talked about Nitro and said absolutely nothing. Because Taney was like, Can you talk about your time in WCW? And then he was basically he was just like, oh, it's a roller coaster ride. It's like, dude, say something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, he didn't want to say I did a bunch of coke and then I got
0: religious. You know? <laughs> uh, I showed up to Starcade '97 in very little condition to perform, and it was a bit of a train wreck. But it was the biggest match in the history of WCW. Yeah, you know, like,
1: he doesn't want to talk about that,
0: and I don't blame him. He doesn't want to air his shit out on for fucking ten. Yeah, and to be fair to him, he has been a lot more open with that in recent years. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Like, it's still probably a pretty raw wound for him. It's only been like fucking nearly four, five, six, seven years. It's like. In, as far as a lifespan goes, that's that's still, like, you know,
0: pain. Mm. So, and then the final one of the month is the one about Jesus. I mean, if, if you've ever been to a youth pastor, you've heard this. <laughs> You're not interested in Sting's conversations about Jesus?
1: Uh, listen, I went I went to my religious school. I've, I've heard this story.
0: <laughs> uh, he talks about how the, Sting is one of a number of wrestlers who's found God, about how his life was falling off the rails in 1998.
1: You know what? I won't get into my thoughts on Jesus. But I will say this.
0: I will say this.
1: It seems like this was obviously a very good thing for him and that it obviously set his life in the right direction. So fair play to him for finding something that managed to
0: help him put it all back together. And this will not be the first time we'll be talking about someone talking about finding Jesus on TNA television.
1: Oh, I'm excited for Vince Russo's Oh, program.
0: yes. That one we may be a little more... <laughs> than Sting's, I think, earnest embrace of faith.
1: I didn't know this was a thing. I just, I just took a guess. Oh yeah,
0: Vince Russo does an I found God promo on TNA. We'll talk about it.
1: Of course he does. Uh,
0: so yeah, that's the, my today interview with Sting. I thought it was pretty boring.
1: Let's talk about how 3LK solved racism.
0: Yes, so every single week in the month of July, we had a skit involving the 3Live crew. Yeah,
1: Um, I thought these were funny. I, I Honestly, I thought these were pretty good. They definitely had some moments that weren't, but you know
0: favorite number 52 they just did like a spoof mocked the roster they showed up like profiles of people they said things about them I don't remember what they said we yeah. did this for the watch along if, you, if, I... if you'd like our reactions to whatever they said you can go watch it the watch along at TnHad.com.
1: I don't care about the first two it's the other ones that I
0: thought were pretty so, good So NWHA favorite number 53 is the one they did the weekend update spoof of so they sat at the desk doing the spoof of the weekend update segment from Saturday Night Live where they made jokes about disco and homophobic jokes about Hoovy, and then mocked the fact <laughs> <laughs> I like
1: that throughout all of these ones, uh, Conan will just take a shot
0: at, like, a random luchador. <laughs> I quite enjoy how uh, I meant to write, they took a shot at Steph against Sable, which was happening on the WWE paper that weekend. I accidentally wrote Steph versus Sabin. Oh my god, what a dream <laughs> That match. would be a tremendous match. One that could still happen. It should. Steph should jump. Oh, that would rule. Forbidden door. Stephanie McMahon. Would, you
1: know, to improve her WNHOF <laughs>
0: case. Yeah, they did the weekend update spoof. It wasn't very funny. It was as funny as you would expect a BG James-led weekend updates spoof to be. The Vengeance bit was pretty good. Mm. Oh, WWE fans at the time, it's like TNA should stick to their own stuff. They shouldn't be taking shots <laughs> at
1: WWE. To be
0: fair, TNA TNA did get to that eventually.
1: <laughs> we got the interviews with random people outside of the asylum. This was a. Uh... It's alright, this is not the best of the ones But I enjoyed this one I enjoyed this Ernest uh, Betty White something Her last name was, I forgot what the last yeah, name was he's
0: like, my favourite thing is wrestling
1: And, and they're like, there's a moment They were like, they wanted to make fun of her But then they were like, Aw. Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> Wrestling does rule Yeah, My favourite one about this one was <laughs> Rowan Killings going out there And he's like, found like these uh, three young dudes And he's like, hey man, where are all the ladies out of Nashville? <laughs> and he's like, you're all pimps, right? You're all pimps And they're like, yeah, we're pimps <laughs>
0: It's not the first time they were talking about pimps. Yeah, well, not the last time either. BG comes in and he's
1: like, Hey guys, it's me, BG James.
0: And <laughs> we're just awkwardly looks at their shoes.
1: I love that BG and Conan, sorry, that Conan and Ron acknowledge that he's not cool. <laughs> yeah, Like, it, this this gimmick would be so much worse if they just thought he was also a cool guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the fact that they're like, this guy's a dork-ass dork <laughs> But he's Outdoor per uh, Payview number 55 is the one where they went to the hood. <laughs> yeah, this was, I like the start. Of, like, Beatty's just terrified to be in the hood. He's absolutely deeply uncomfortable.
1: He's uh, just being racist. It's great. Um, he's <laughs> just walking around. He's just like, he's pretending he's hearing gunshots. And people around him are just like, what, is, what are you doing? Mm. Are you okay? he goes up to this dude with his kids and he's like hey man did you just buy a 40 in there and the guy's like what the fuck and then and then the guy hits him with the suck it
0: Bill Banks debuted with the company and his first duty was to produce this vignette by the way very good great job
1: <laughs> and then uh, he he went out he got his makeover he came out as a pimp and the I even, the, the, the the people out there they loved it they, they were popping big for it what was he it was the pimp juice pimp juice was his name yes oh we know where Yujiro got it <laughs> And then, because we're doing, like, a little cultural exchange segment here, so they start off in the hood, then they went to a Mexican bar, (laughs) because, like, you know, we get the hood, and then, like, we get to go to a trailer park later on for BG, but, like, we just get a Mexican bar (laughs) for Conan. It's like, yeah, just come to this uh, restaurant. That's mine.
0: That's the best they can come up with, and BG James does not have a good reaction to spicy food. Uh,
1: no, I like that they worked him, they're like, oh, he's the hot sauce, they're like, oh, you meant to shot it, and he's like, oh, yeah, I shot it, and then just spends the rest of the night taking shits.
0: I did quite enjoy, I will say, that when he was uh, taking dumps in the toilet, they did play the push Bruce music. Yes. So <laughs> when good. he was starting to do his booze, they I were like,
1: push, do 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 So then we got um, a segment where <laughs> Ron Killings is uh, asking for orange juice, mm-hmm. as the athlete he is, and he gets given tequila. He shots the tequila and goes, well, this orange is off. <laughs> 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 this orange went off. And I was like... Alright, oh, I love you we cut back to Ron at the bar later and he's just shirtless wearing a sombrero
0: mm, fully embracing the culture of Conan
1: because <laughs> his shirt is gone and then we find out later it's because P.G. James has been sweating profusely and using it as a rank.
0: and perhaps vomiting into it
1: P.G. James is like yo we need to oh, this has too, been too much for me uh, I'm this little white guy I can't I've been going through all of this place this is too much for me we're going to the trailer park we're going to my we're going to my home arena
0: I always wonder like are these guys being flown into Nashville every week to just go out and produce these little skits? I assume they came in once and filmed them all. I would not be shocked if TNA just like flew them all in and filmed one a week.
1: Maybe, but I, my guess would be that they did them all. Mm. But yeah, I, I thought these were, these were fun little skits. They're not, like, anything to go like go run and search for, but they're pretty fun.
0: Just like Eric Watts has had his redemption arc, Tree K have now had their redemption arc. Yeah,
1: until the minute they get back in, like, the arena.
0: <laughs> to be fair, all they ever do is work, like, three-minute tag matches and do catchphrases after this, so it's not bad.
1: You know what? <laughs> maybe so. We've gone through the worst of VG James.
0: Like honestly, I mean, the Alamo still has to happen. Yeah, as mentioned <laughs> earlier, this is the era of TNA that I have the least like working memory of. So maybe they're garbage. But for the most part, I remember 3LK being like harmless. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from also, here. Also, some, some banger theme songs coming from through, for 3LK.
1: Oh, I'm so excited! Like maybe the most banger themes from a single group. Mm. Like just heat after heat after heat. Um, I just want to really put over like. Yeah, BG was pretty good in these, but, like, for me, the star of all this was Ron Killings. Who
0: is always the star of pretty much everything he does.
1: I love that his bit is just that he keeps being shirtless. Mm.
0: <laughs> and can you blame the man? Look at him. Look at those abs.
1: Whew. Anyway, yeah, um, I thought these were fun. And, um, good work to 3OK. Okay. This mother is a bad jam.
0: Beware, coming for you. It's the remix. We're gonna go show by show. Remix. <laughs>
1: I don't think we have anything left.
0: I always have things left. NWAT and APA a, number 52. I don't have anything left from the show because it's the one we did for the watch. Oh, no, there is a note. So Mike and I said Shocker and Negro Casas would show up next week. They were meant to face AMW, I believe, which is the reason Diamond and Summer were rotten instead. There, they had to back out. There was a bunch of confusion here where Shocker thought he wasn't allowed to do it because he got bookings with Mike Frigario. I don't know who that is but apparently uh, that person was like no I, I didn't have any objection to working TNA and maybe he just politically didn't want to do it because they would have been losing I assumed AMW so they pulled it I don't know there there was something that caused Shocker and Negro Cassis to pull out in my today the following week he's like oh sorry we advertised them they didn't come
1: how pissed do you think Conan was about this
0: well the fact that he apparently was the guy who pushed to get them in there and then finally got them in there and like for reasons they bailed Probably quite pissed. And Karen doesn't strike me as a guy who's willing to just, like, take it. He will make sure you, he is heard when he is very, very unhappy, I'd imagine. He does, uh, Shocker, of course, show up in 2005, so you can look forward to your Shocker down the yes. line. I've seen
1: Shocker in TNA
0: before. sh sh, sh- shocker
1: My favorite, um, rogue, <laughs> MC, yeah, he's an MCU, MCU rogue
0: villain. NWTNA pay number 53, July 9th. Saturn's music, if you would noticed, has been downgraded to music used, it, used for the opening video. I did not notice. Also, this show, that opening video was titled, Good Friends, Bitter Enemies, about D'Lo Brown and AJ Styles. Heavy
1: shot at Homicide and Steve Carino being good friends. No, bad... They're not good friends. Oh, no, that's the other one. Good Friends, Stiffer Enemies, which is, you know,
0: a little ooh. Abyss took a top rope runner from Jerry Lynn. Just Abyss is just wild. He's a wild human being. I'm, 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 I, I've said a thousand times, but I am so
1: excited to watch Abyss stuff.
0: Because like, he's like, a shoot's 6'8, and he's just out here taking top rope piranhas. In a match, he's not even so in. <laughs> like, gets a kid catch against Jerry Lynn, and Abyss is just taking top rope piranhas. Yeah, I'm excited
1: for, because he's. he's he gets bigger, too. Mm. I'm excited. I want to see this big dude throwing dudes around. I want to see that AJ Cage match again.
0: End of the year, TNA paper, number 54. Do do I have any notes? Do you have any notes from this show, Liam?
1: Oh the, um, the interrogator segment with AEW was good.
0: In that fucking hat. This, this is you and your that hat. Bruce's music was used twice this month. It was also... We, we either bitch slap or the TNA girls came out to it. I don't remember. Who oh, during the interrogator segment, I can't remember what the prompt was. Storm's response was roping rats and the look Chris Harris gave him
1: yeah well it happened like three times in a row every time he'd answer something cow like like a cowboy Chris Harris was like shut up
0: stop being a cowboy we literally just did the thing where you're back together why are you mad at each other again no they're friends but he just he doesn't like the cowboy shtick rolling his eyes because yeah, he, he did it like three questions in a row I will say we didn't mention it while we were talking about it but like sex is gone Glenn is managing Diamond and Swinger Russo has moved on to a new group why are the Harris Bros still going after Boy's mask? Just it's their own vendetta now. Do you think it's like it's the only thing we have left? All their friends have moved on because yeah, they're getting ready. They're like they know the end of the run is coming mm. up. Everyone's being kicked out. Uh, Don West's reoccurring theme on the G T films was his cough. Mm. Like, for two weeks straight, it was this show and the week before, you'd hear, like, off-camera, you'd just hear a cough, and it was Don, he clearly... There was
1: one real big one, and I was like, come on, man.
0: It's like, dude, you have a cough button, surely. It did make me sad that Red got a big reaction, and now he's dead. But, listen, we'll talk about Red again in March. Red Dead Red Redemption. There you go. This is the show where there is a homophobic sign directed at Jeremy Borash. Oh, NWA TNA baby number
1: 55. Uh, Let's talk about someone having a gun on them.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, so, so there was a story from the rest, or was it P Wrestling Observer? I think it was Wrestling Observer. I can't find it in the notes. Where is it? Oh, it's real. Okay, ca- oh, there we go. Oh, you have it highlighted. It was from PW Torch. <laughs> the story that someone showed he had heat on them and made a threat, thinking it was some sort of news show doing an expose with all the cameras. It's a true one. As you can imagine, most everyone was uneasy and glad to get out of there. Maybe BG James' character at the start was just real. <laughs> someone tried to shoot him, as opposed to shoot on him. <laughs> I wrote the words "go in the pit with Jeff Jarrett" in my notes, and I do not remember the context for this
1: episode. Yeah, it was 15, Go fifty-five. In the pit with
0: Jeff Jarrett. It was before the New Church match. I got a metal gig. <laughs> I don't know. Let me try and work out where it is on the show. Based, it was between it was somewhere between the 3LK segment and the New Church match. I wrote the words "go in the pit with Jeff Jarrett," and I, I don't remember why. <laughs> Go in the pit
1: with Jeff, Jarrett. like like you're you're telling someone to get in the pit, like you don't like them, and the, you, they're with Jeff Jarrett. I don't know. You know, what, Garrett, go in the pit with Jeff Jarrett. Maybe the pit is Jeff Jarrett's new wrestling promotion that he's definitely not opening up. There's Roddy Piper and
0: Jeff Jarrett in the pit well Piper's Pit you get it yeah
1: I got it
0: there was when Dilo was pushed off ladder and fell on a table that table goddamn, did not break no he went thud looked like pain and then NWATNA pay per view number 56 er I don't think I have anything left from this one either
1: um I got one so uh, Michael Shane mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of this oh what he is Sean Michael's cousin
0: Wah!
1: Ah! Wah! Yeah, this, I just had that one uh, written down that one jotted down in my notebook oh my god
0: Oh, actually, you know, I do have a note here. It says, did you know Michael Shane is Shawn Michaels' cousin?
1: What? Well, Garrett, Shawn Michaels and Michael Shane are really cousins. What? Originally, Shane was promoted as a nephew because of the age difference between them, but he's actually a cousin as said by TNA on the pay-per-view I must have missed when they mentioned that on the pay-per-view
0: I I think they or this is PW Torch so I think they're saying that before TNA they they, like he promoted as a nephew because of the big age difference but in TNA as mentioned he is his cousin
1: no I'm saying I I don't I never noticed on the pay-per-view that they mentioned they were even
0: related oh yeah of course that that, that there is no connection between Michael Shane and Shawn Michaels whatsoever I mean that's what I thought until I bloody just read it just then okay that is NWA TNA for the month of July 2003 this episode has been very every episode I'm like oh you know This is a pretty uneventful month in TNA. I think this is going to be... No. It was five shows, Garrett. But still, I'm like, oh, you know, what are we going to say about freaking Legend and Jarrett? They just beat each other up. You have to always assume
1: that the rundown at the start is going to be at least an hour. That first hour is the backstage
0: stuff. It's usually like 30 minutes, but yeah, it was about an hour before editing, before we got to the end of that, this this episode. So it it is actually longer than usual. This is almost an old Wrestle Kingdom, like... (laughs) <laughs> listen, we uh, we made you wait 3 weeks for this, but we gave you an extra long episode. I think it's fine that we do the long episodes because
1: we have the 2 weeks in between so you can you, can, you don't have to listen to it all at once. You have
0: plenty of time to digest their takes mm, and get to the whole thing
1: including our rant about social media at the end.
0: We just did a sting rant. Mm. So if you would like to look at the show notes or our star ratings or the watch along of NWA TNA number 52, those are all available for you right now on Patreon at patreon.com slash kiddingme or tnhchat.com. You can enjoy all of that and support the show if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy us talking for, listen, as of right now, it's three hours, 40 minutes for this record. It'll, you will now know how much I cut out in editing. <laughs> <laughs> But if you enjoy the show, you want to support the show. If you've listened this goddamn long to us, thank you. But follow us on Twitter at TNA History Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. Follow Liam on Twitter at the Gleet Muda we'll be back next weekend with the uh, Patreon special go subscribe to the YouTube oh yeah go if you've listened to all these episodes it's already content you've already heard but if you'd like to go listen to highlights you liked in the past pretty much every segment we've ever done will be on YouTube by the end of the show who knows
1: maybe other stuff will eventually be on there I'm not promising it I'm just saying
0: we will promise next weekend the latest episode of (laughs) Ringcat Kings will be on Patreon we're talking about doing some other Patreon content maybe surrounding 10 year anniversaries of notable New Japan stuff we'll get into that more, i
1: want i want to cover the jeff jarrett promotion that definitely is not happening Uh, progress Uh... (laughs) oh yeah let's go oh yeah we're gonna garrett has said it he will cover every progress episode on the Patreon. if
0: jeff jarrett is directly involved if jeff jarrett is on every show yes so yeah ring Kings next weekend week after that will be the august 2003 episode of you've got to be kidding me thanks for listening and bye bye
1: this mother is a bad jam